And we are on air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR Race Review of Darlington and Nashville. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about tonight, including a guest. Uh, we'll start out with a few Arca Menard Series and Arca West Series updates. Then we'll review the Arca East Race at Nashville. And at the top of the hour, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, we will uh, give a review of the NASCAR Truck Series at Darlington. Uh, and in that same half hour, we'll also review the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Darlington. Starting at 9.30, we have a guest, Tim Huddleston, a former NASCAR driver and now track owner and promoter at Irwindale Speedway uh, will be our guest and uh, definitely looking forward to catching up with Tim Huddleston. And uh, right after that, we'll get into the NASCAR Cup Series review at Darlington. Now, during our last half hour, and sometimes you know we go a little bit longer than that, we'll get into our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with the Fan for Racing crew. So uh, definitely looking forward to... uh, uh, the conversation here tonight. We hope you enjoy it as much as we. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy doing the show. So, uh, joining me for tonight's show is our co-host for tonight, and that is Sal Segala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Well, thank you, Sharon. Good evening. Well, I'm doing very well. Uh, and how was your weekend? Oh, it was um, uh, it wasn't too bad. It was uh, very enjoyable. <clears throat> Got to um, go back up to Irondale Speedway this weekend for for um, for our weekly um, for our weekly here. program. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, that was cool. Uh, I know uh, we have Tim coming on uh, during the nine thirty half hour, so I'm looking forward to catching up with him and hearing what he has to say about uh, Irwindale Speedway. Okay. Um, yeah. So, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Anyways, yeah, he has, a, he has, an, he has an announcement to make, too. He, he talked about it a little bit on um, Saturday night during the program, so um, when we get him back on, when we get him on tonight, he'll he'll explain a little bit more about what's going on and um, uh, stuff like that. So, uh, a, lot, a lot of good things happening finally out here in Southern California, so. Um, that but anyways, is awesome. But, um, and I'll look forward to yeah, hearing what that is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's good. So, anyways, uh, I guess let's uh, let's get started. Okay. Well, we'll give a few updates here. I know uh, only one ARCA series ran this weekend, and that was the ARCA Menard Series East. Uh, so they will do a review of them at about. Uh, Uh, a quarter to nine, and then for now, we'll just kind of give everybody an update on where we are for the next races. I know uh, the next race for the ARCA East is next weekend. They're going to be out at Dover along with NASA Xfinity and and Cup Series, so uh, that will be fun. Uh, We'll have more of a review of that race coming up on Thursday. And then on May 22nd is the first Sioux Chief Showdown event, the Earth Potato Chips 200, on May 22nd at Toledo Speedway starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, that race, Sal, is going to be on MAP-TV, so fans will be able to watch that live on TV. 
And uh, again, we'll do a review, I'm sorry, a preview uh, the Thursday before. For the ARCA West, we've had to wait a long time for this next ARCA race in the West, Sal. It's going to be June 5th, the General Tire 200 at 2 p.m. Pacific time, which is 5 p.m. Eastern time, out at Sonoma Raceway. That's going to be a fun one to watch, the General Tire 200. Yeah, it, it, um, I was talking with a few of the drivers this past weekend about their, about their, um, long vacation. They, um, not too happy. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to mention which drivers, but, you know, they kind of thought it was kind of ridiculous to go this long, you know, between races. Yeah. You it's know, they said it's uncalled for. Races. I know it, some drivers are racing yeah. the local local tracks, you know, the late models and, and stuff like that to kind of fill in the time. Uh, a few of them are racing in the truck series um, as well. Yeah, but it, it's just, you know, you know, they figure, you know, you know, we, we put our hard-earned money into this series, you know, and, you know, our time, you know, don't give us, you know, this much time in between because there's a couple drivers that, this is the only thing they're racing. It's just the uh, ARCA West. They're not. They're not doing any local programs. You know, any of their local. You know, racetracks. You know, pro late or super late or anything like that. Because this is all they can afford, and they just felt well, they kind of got the short end of the stick. But either way, we're uh, looking forward to it. Next year, everything gets back to normal. <laughs> we can watch a, a full schedule of uh, without so much delay between races next year. I sure hope so. Well, I, oh yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're headed that way because NASCAR, um, I guess IMS already announced you know, that the next races they're going to start having are going to have full um, full capacity. And then if you looked at the stands this week in uh in um uh over at uh Darlington, Darlington, yeah, the stands were full and nobody was wearing masks. So that's that's uh. That's a really good thing, and then, and then Sonoma also made an announcement. They're going to be having full. Um, I think they're 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 offering full um, 100% capacity for the race coming up in June. Which yeah, will be we the, watched um, the arc. Uh, my son-in-law watched golf. He was watching a golf uh, outing at in North Carolina, and uh, uh-huh. nobody there was wearing a mask. I think I saw one person <laughs> with a mask on. Uh, and that was in North Carolina. So, yeah, I think things are starting to open up all the, across the board, and I think that's going to be good news uh, for us down the road, especially for next season. I think we have to kind of uh, just kind of toe the line for the remainder of this season, and then by next season, hopefully we'll be back on a more positive track that way. All we can do is just keep hoping. I mean, you know, and at least one thing, L.A. County, you know what? They're allowing people to walk around without masks if you're outside, if you've already had your mm-hmm. vaccination. And, yep. and I know yep. I I did my vaccination, and I know it took a, it took a while to get to get an appointment. So I, I know a lot of people are getting them out here in California because to get an appointment, you know, I had to wait like almost two weeks to get my first shot. So, you know, that, yeah. you know, that just speaks, you know, about how it is. So. I mean, you know, we're yeah, getting there. Yeah, I've gotten both of my sh- shots as well. And uh, I did have some reaction, but kind of minimal, just uh, really tiredness was the main thing. 
Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. I got my first one. I haven't gotten the second one. The first one I had a sore arm for for a few days, right. but yeah, um, yeah, you know. So just do our part, and you know, those that don't have, you know, please keep wearing your mask. You know, hopefully, you get open. And if you're a race fan, you know, all you're doing is just hoping these tracks to open up a lot quicker. You know, the more the county exactly sees, you know, more right. they're they're letting it. You know, they're opening them up. I mean. Like I said, IMS already made the announcement, you know, that their remaining races, you know, they're going to poke and know the same thing. You know, they're going to have a full, um, they're going to allow 100% capacity. And uh, Erndale, we're back, we're up to 67% capacity. I think Tim will make that announcement, you know, I think for our July 3rd night of destruction, you know, so. Okay. Yeah. It, it, like I say, I think it, it will happen. We'll make the transition this year, and then by next year, hopefully everything will be back on a, on a what we consider a more traditionally normal schedule. So, and I know NASCAR's working on the 2022 schedule already, so uh, we've got a lot to look forward to. Uh, I, I heard some uh, news today that in addition to um, the street race in um, – in addition to the street race at Chicagoland that they're looking at, they're also talking about looking at uh, some street races. Uh, let me see if I can find In Mexico City and Denver are two locations that they're considering for street races in the future as well. So kind of interesting that NASCAR is looking at that. Yeah, I, I I really hope that they find something, you know, to help you guys out over there, you know, because, I mean, you know, uh, it, it's all, it's always been a good, you know, you guys have a lot of sports, you know, a lot of good, it's a good city, you know, for sports, you know. And, um, you know, to, really not have a, to, not have a, to not have a NASCAR race, you know, you guys got kind of, you guys got kind of We got the short third, end of I the think. stick, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to put it that way, but I, that's why I see you guys got kind of burned. But I mean, yeah, you guys did get the short end of the stick. But you know, hey. Well, like I say, there's some things in the works for potential for beyond this year. So we'll just kind of have to hold on to our seat and see what happens. Uh, what do you think of the new car that came out? Did you see the unveiling you know, of the new I've, cars? Yeah, I wasn't. I don't know. I, I wasn't too impressed. I, I, I guess I've. Uh, you can call me an old fogey or whatever you want to call me, but <laughs> you know, I, I just, you know what? Let's just let's let's leave it. You know, let's just leave it the way it is. I mean, why? I mean, I know a lot of fans are you know excited for it. You know, they want change, and you know, there's there's change that can come in other in other places. You know what? Um, why make the series? Again, change the car to make it more hard for the for the smaller teams to be able to um, you know to be able to race. I mean, that's I, I feel that they're is supposed to make it easier for those smaller teams because uh, uh, and and the other thing is they're making it more distinctive between the different manufacturers. So uh, the old adage of uh, win on Sunday and sell on Monday. Uh, is uh, I think part of the dollars and cents part of uh, the idea of this whole uh, new package. But there's so many other things that are involved in the new package as well. Uh, we'll have to see. A lot of drivers are testing on different tracks, so we'll have to see. You know how what the comments are from the drivers as they continue to test. 
Exactly. You know what? We'll just you know we'll wait until they bring it out. You know, and you know see the reaction. You know from you know the fans, team, drivers, and and I guess you know like you said, you know we'll just go from there. Uh, and uh, you know, and, and all we can do is just hope for the best. Absolutely, absolutely. I I, I have faith in NASCAR. Uh, I'm one of those Pollyanna people, uh, poly, po- positive Pollyanna, who uh, see things through rose-colored glasses. But uh, I have, I do have faith that they're going to do uh, what they feel is the right thing to make a better product for the fans and and to keep it competitive. So this year has been a great year so far. So I, I, it's kind of funny because they're they're bringing out a new car next year. And they've had some great racing this year. Yeah, the racing has been really good this year. I mean, we I I have no complaints. You know, with what I've seen so far on the track, um, you know, um, you know, the product has been good. You know, the racing has been good. You know, all through the three series, I know. You know, you still get all the all the um, what do you call them? Uh, you know, people you know who, who don't agree. You know, with some of the changes they've made and. You know, and and but I mean, all in all, you know what? You have to take your hats off to them. You know, during a you know a tough year mm-hmm. and a half. That is true. You know, they, they make a lot of things happen. You know, I wasn't too happy with Auto Club um, casting the race this year, and yet Vegas had their race. You know, which you know mm-hmm. was almost two, three weeks after what Auto Club would have had theirs. You know, and you know they they're under the same restrictions as us, but. You know what? It's that's just the way. Yeah. You know, a ball bounce. It's just that bump in the road. Yeah, it's that bump in the road that nobody likes going through. But uh, you know, hopefully, on the other side is uh, more smooth sailing. So, well, let's go ahead, Sal, and get into our uh, ARCA East race that took place this weekend out at Nashville Fairground Speedway. Uh, for a few laps on Saturday night, it seemed like uh, Sammy Smith, who won it by Flag Speedway, was uh, going to be in for a rough night. He was black flagged uh, for crossing the start line before the leader at the beginning of the race. So uh, <laughs> it put him a lap down, and then he was issued a pass-through penalty. Uh, and uh, fortunately for him, in that number 18 uh Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing, he was able to uh, earn his lap back by passing the leader in his show club race winning speed. So uh, by 190 laps later, the number 18 Toyota was in victory lane for the second consecutive win in the Arkham Menard Series East. As I mentioned, they, he also won at, um, at uh, Five Flags Speedway, which seems like it was eons ago now. But now he won this race as well, so he's really putting himself up in that top spot pretty securely. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's you know, um, you know, definitely you know, uh, um, you know, the Gibbs, um, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, you know, definitely has their, you know, their, you know, their everything's you know going good, you know. All the way, you know, through, you know, the from the cup, you know, all the way down into the Arca series, you know, to see him, you know, catch, you know, get another win, and um, you know, just, just basically, you know, like 
I guess I say continue continue their dominance, you know, in the uh in the series, you know, as a testament to the to the hard work, you know, that they're putting in at the shop. Mhm. It does. And and I know they're kind of a higher funded team. Uh and but you know, Mason Diaz mentioned it after the race. He said that that number eighteen car is just really tough to beat. Um he came in second to Smith at Five Flags Speedway and then again this weekend in Nashville. So it's got to be disappointing for them. But you know what? For a team like uh, the team that uh, uh, Mason Diaz drives for, which is Biscani Motorsports, uh, that's almost like getting a win to be able to compete with a guy like uh, uh, Sammy Smith who's in that top-tier equipment. So um, he, he actually helped him uh, take over second place in the standings with Max Gutierrez uh, now in third place. He's got a seven-point edge over Max. See, so I mean, I mean, it all, you know, you know, it, it's tough. I mean, you know, it, it's, you know, we 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 sit in, you know, in different series, you know, you know, a certain mm-hmm. team, you know, that'll just, you know, kind of dominate like this. I'm sure we'll talk mm-hmm. about the series later on, but. Um, you know, anytime you can, you know, anytime you can compete with the, you know, with the, especially with the Joe Gibbs, you know, car and then the uh, darkest series, you know, you're, you're making um, headway somewhere. Exactly. Now, Mason Mingus is uh, one of the local drivers out there in Nashville. He finished in third, but uh, earlier in the day, he actually qualified for the pole. Uh, so, again, he's a local, local driver. Uh, 26 years old, he com- normally competes in the late models at Nashville Fairground Speedway, but uh, he was making his first start on the Arkham Menards platform since 2017. So uh, back in 2013, he finished second to Frank Kimmel in the Arkham Menards Series Championship standings, and he entered Saturday with uh, 37 Arca starts on his resume. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, now then, to round out the rest of the top five there, Connor Jones finished in uh, fourth place, uh, and uh, he was running a one-off race for GMS Racing in the car that Sam Mayer drove to the East Series wins last year for his second consecutive championship. So he was in a really good car. Joey East uh, was uh, the rookie driving for David Gilliland Racing that finished in fifth place. Then the next five drivers were Roger Carruth, Parker Retzlaff, Daniel Dye, Max Gutierrez, and Stephanie Moyer. Uh, Now, Stephanie has two top ten finishes and two starts in the East, and she finished eighth in her debut at Five Flight Speedway. So kudos to Stephanie Moyer for two uh, great finishes for her in her two starts. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Joey East, is, um, uh, he's one of the local drivers from out here, uh, actually from northern, not from southern, but he's, he actually is from northern California. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh you know, it's, it's it's good to see him, you know, out there, you know, in the East Series, you know, and, uh, you know, make, make a name for himself. He, he spent a lot of time um, um, also racing dirt out here. So yeah. in between starts with ARCA, he races a lot of, 
he races a lot of local tracks out here um, racing dirt. Well, he's doing really well this year. He's fourth in the East Standings. So, do you, do you want to cover the East Standings? Yes. We mentioned a little bit um, there, but. Uh, top five, we got Sammy Smith, who's still who's leading the who's leading the points. Um, second is Mason Diaz. Third is Max Gutierrez. Fourth is Joe East. And fifth is. Uh, Raja Karut rounds out the top five. Um, we got 30, 30 point difference between the fifth and and of course the the point leader Sammy Smith. And then from yeah, there, then you got Parker tied with uh, Raja. With with Raja, yeah. So then for then sixth, then we got Parker um, Ratsmith. Seventh, Daniel Dye. Eighth, uh, uh, Carvin Carson. Carf, Carson um, Koppel. Koppel. Ninth is Dick. Ninth is Dick Doheny, and tenth is uh, Taylor Gray, who sat out this race because of the car accident that he had. He's still recovering from his yeah. um, from the car accident he had a few weeks ago. So hopefully we'll see him back yeah. in the car here pretty quick. Yes, that would be good if uh, he's able to come back. I know he had a pretty serious accident, uh, and it might be a while. I've had a back injury similar to what he has, and uh, it takes a while to recover from something like that. So uh, we'll we'll wait and see, uh, but we wish him all the best. Um, so I did not get a chance to watch the race this weekend. Did you, did you get a chance to see it, Sal, at all? No, no. Okay. Uh, I, I uh, it I sounds like Go ahead. Uh, it, you know what I, 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 actually that... we don't we don't um we don't see we don't get too much out here in Southern California for some reason. Okay. Well it sounds like uh you know, when uh Sammy Smith had those penalty the penalty and the black flag, uh I think that that kind of opened the door for his competitors, but it sounds like his car was strong enough to recover from that. And that was kind of the the, the crux of the race is him battling back uh, from the black flag and the penalty. And, um, uh, and, and that was impressive, you know, no doubt. That was very impressive. Oh, yeah, it, 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 anytime you can battle back from uh... – Anytime you can battle back from a, you know, from a penalty like that. I mean, it's just a good thing, you know, that happened, you know, at the at the beginning, you know, and not, you know, like towards the middle, towards the end, because then it would have been a lot, um, you know, it would have been a lot, a lot more, um, a lot more harder, you know, to to make up. Absolutely. If you want to know more about what happened in the race, though, I'd really suggest everybody head over to ARCAracing.com. Uh, they've got some great videos over there. We see sweet move of the race from Nashville. Roger Caruth avoids a crash. Uh, so you can actually see the video of that if you, if you weren't able to watch it on track, track pass. Also, there's going to be a, uh, the delayed broadcast of this race is going to be on NBC Sports Network. And just a reminder to everybody uh, that that's going to be on Thursday, uh, yeah, Thursday, May the 13th, 
My schedule says 1 p.m. Eastern time, but I always suggest people check their local listings to make sure uh, you have the right time. But this Thursday, you'll be able to watch the delayed broadcast of the race and see how Sammy Smith was able to overcome uh, those penalties. Um, and then also the videos that are available at arcaracing.com, uh, some of the top moments from Saturday night's race at Nashville are there, uh, and some of the post-race commentary from the drivers. So uh, they really have some really good things. And did you know, Sal, Dale Earnhardt Jr. was at the ARCA race, and he said that Sorry. they look at the ARCA races to find their up-and-coming talent. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty neat because, uh, um, you know, like <clears throat> that, that's well, that's 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 how he found. I mean, he well, he found. Um, gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna lost for um, Josh Berry. Found him at a uh, at one of the local tracks mm-hmm. racing a super late model. Mhm. So, yeah, they have some really good video here. And, uh, you know, there's some announcements as well. Young Motorsports is adding Connor Mozak to the ARCA lineup. So uh, that's something to take a look at. Uh, they've got the qualifying where Mason Mingus, uh, the local driver from Nashville, took the General Tire Pull Award. And, of course, uh, you know, the fact that uh, Sammy Smith uh, won that race. And one of the cool things about winning at Nashville, Sal, are the trophies. He's he cut a one of a kind guitar. Yeah, you know what I seen that I seen a picture of Bruce uh Bruce Doodleman, um who's a track photographer out there back east who comes over here sometimes but I see him a lot when I go back east. And I seen his, he posted a picture of him and his son of his son with the race winner with the guitar. I thought it was pretty neat. Yeah, it really is pretty neat. And uh, a lot of these drivers, that's something they'll value for their entire life is having that one-of-a-kind guitar from Nashville. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> well, well, that's the same thing with the, if, um, with the Nashville, uh, with the All-American 400 at Nashville Speedway. When you win that race, you get a, they give you a guitar for that too. Yes, yes. I know one of them, don't you get a uh, jukebox or something at one of those races? Where is it that they get the jukebox? Uh, I'm not sure they get the jukebox. But I, but I, I remember the year that, that, that um, Kyle Busch won the All-American 400. He got the – Sam Bass used to used – to, um, yes. he was one that used to paint the guitars. And I remember one year um, Kyle Busch won the All-American 400 and smashed the guitar on the – stage oh my god yeah can you the, imagine the fans just went that guitar he well he kind of did it you know because how um you know a lot of the rock stars you know after the after a concert you know they'll still smash the guitar right. so he kind of thought it was going to be cool in that way and um and to find out it, it wasn't cool at all so he yeah. got a lot of uh <laughs> he got a lot of heat for that yeah i bet he did I bet he did. Okay, I know we're a couple minutes early here, Sal, but let's go ahead and get into the truck series. 
again, I know it was Mother's Day weekend. I love Darlington and the throwback weekend, but because it's over Mother's Day, it's hard for me to watch all the races. Uh, but apparently Sheldon Creed was able to hold off Ben Rhodes for that Darlington win after a 17-truck whack effectively ended the Kyle Busch Motorsports stranglehold on the truck series. Sheldon Creed outdueled Ben Rhodes in the final two restarts to win the LiftKitsForLess.com 200 at Darlington Raceway. Uh, Sheldon drives the uh, number two truck, and uh, somehow he left his truck in one one piece and won uh, a race that was pretty well filled with cautions. The win is his first win of the season, his first at Darlington, and the sixth of his career. Creed also pocketed that additional $50,000 bonus for the triple truck uh, challenge presented by Wompley. So that was pretty cool to see. Ben Rhodes in the number 99 was leading for the restart with two laps left, but he got loose as Creed drove away to take the win. The number one of Haley Deegan spun on the last lap and brought out the yellow flag, ending the race under caution. And Carson Hosevar in the number 42 scored a career-best finish of third. So that was really cool to see for uh, one of the rookies. Uh, the number 88 of Matt Kraft, uh, Grant Infinger, Johnny Sauter, Timmy Hill, John Hunter Nemechek, Austin Wayne Self, and Jordan Anderson were the rest of the top ten. There were a total of 20 lead changes among 12 drivers and 12 cautions for 66 yellow flag laps over the 147-lap race. The average speed, 81.041 miles per hour. The pole sitter going into the race was actually John Hunter Nemechek in the number four. He led 65 laps in one stage two, but he was one of those 17 trucks involved in an accident following the restart on lap 118. The stage one winner was the number 38 of Todd Gilliland, uh, he was also involved in that race, and he ended up finishing uh, 15th involved in that wreck, I mean. Uh, some of the fast facts, uh, it was uh, Sheldon Creed's sixth victory in 61 truck series races. Uh, again, his first victory and fourth top 10 finish this year. His first victory and first top 10 finish in two races at Darlington Raceway. Ben Rhodes in second posted his second top 10 finish in two races at Darlington and his seventh top 10 finish this year. Carson Hosevar posted his first top 10 finish in his first race at Darlington Raceway. That's pretty impressive because that is not an easy track. He was also third uh, as, as the highest finishing rookie of the race. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, Sheldon Creed also won that triple truck challenge bonus of $50,000. So any thoughts there, Sal, on the top ten? Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a really good race. You know, I got a chance to watch it. And, uh, um, I, was, I mean, they had that big, that one big wreck. It looked like um, Talladega or Daytona for a while. <laughs> and a lot, you know, a lot of trucks got taken out. But um, it was really neat, you know, to see, you know, um, you know, the battles that were taking place. You know, Sheldon Creed, you know, back and forth. John Hunter Nemechek looked like he was going to be the um, 
like he was going to be the, uh, you know, the, the star of the field once again, you know, then he had his issues. But um, all in all, you know what, the trucks put on a really good show. And, uh, and um, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a really good show. Yes, it was. Now, um, uh, you know, Toyota has, has, was part of the stranglehold with uh, KPM, Kyle Busch Motorsports, between Kyle Busch winning, uh, John Hunter Nemechek winning, uh, Martin Truex winning. Those were all Toyotas that were winning. So uh, this race kind of broke that streak on both counts for KPM and for uh, Toyota. Yeah, it did, you know, and um, uh, gosh, man, I mean, that race was just, it was, you know, the throwback schemes, you know, you really had to like some mm. of the throwback schemes they did, too. Um, uh, this was, um, actually, this was going to be a record, I think it was going to be a record-breaking race for um, for wins in a row by Cowbush Motorsports in the truck series had um, John Hunter Nemechek won the race, had he, mm-hmm. had he or... Um, or, um, gosh, who was in the uh, 51 truck? Um, uh, Corey Heim. Corey Heim, yeah. And Corey Heim looked really good, too. He was really he was running really strong also, you know. And, uh, yeah, he definitely had a good run. And he normally runs, I think he's leading what well, he is, leading the points in the Arkham Menard series. So to see him run that well in his first race at Darlington in the truck is pretty impressive. Sal, are you still there? Yes. I'm sorry, Sharon. I was going to send you a message. I just got a text from work right now. I just barely went back. Actually, this is technically my first full week back at work. I went back last week, but we had some, I told you we had some problems. So I'm I'm trying to do this and, and, and take care of some work. But either way, I'm I'm, oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should have I should have sent you a message so you, you could you, so you could have kept going. But um, oh, okay. I'm, I'm still. It's been two months since I've been awesome. I'm trying to get my mind back into the into the radio and having to you know because out here it's only six o'clock. So I start to we start at five thirty out here in California. Right. Show so. I'm barely getting, usually I'm barely getting, I'm either barely getting home from work or on my way home from work, you know, and, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to get into that mindset, you know, that, Hey, we have the, you know, so anyways. Okay. Well, do you want to do the points or do you want me to do the points? Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. I I have the points right here. I I was looking. Okay. Actually I was going over them when you're, when you're talking. So I was just getting ready for it. Okay. So the, my computer froze up here. Here it goes. Okay. So, anyways, I'm sorry. So, anyways, back back, back to Cat World Truck Series um, points after Darlington. We're looking at John Hunter Nemechek still leading the points at the top spot with two race wins, seven stage wins, and 17 big playoff points, which are going to be huge when the when the as he starts keeps mm-hmm. accumulating them for when the um, when the chase starts. Um, second is Ben Rhodes with two wins, and Sheldon Creed picked up his third win, which his first win, which we were talking about that I think uh, either last week or the week before, 
when we were going through the points, you know, we were saying, you know, that, you know, there are still some drivers, you know, that, that are, are going to eventually pick up their wins. And, of course, it was Sheldon Creed this week at um, at Darlington, you know, which is a big win for him. And, and, you know, Sharon, and just a little note, it's, it's crazy because the only time Sheldon ran a sponsor on the truck was when, was when Camping World, you know, offered, you know, we'll go ahead and, you know, if you put your mm-hmm. sticker on the truck, you know, you know, we'll do, you know, we'll pay you, you know, so much money. That Sheldon Creed, because his grandfather, he, his grandfather told me, you know what, just race, don't worry about sponsors, because I, I, I will mm-hmm. pay for your series. And and in case wow. in case some of the, in case some of the fans were wondering why Sheldon doesn't run a sponsor on his truck, or every once in a while he'll run like a small little corporate sponsor, it's because his grandfather is, is, is the one that's putting all the money up, and he just says, you know what, just just race. Don't worry about, you know, stickers on the truck. You know what? And that's, that's why he ran that one off. Yeah. That's yeah. why he ran that one off with, um, for, uh, uh, when, um, uh, when Marcus, the owner of Captain world, you know, had offered, you know, right. anybody that would run the sticker and that's why we got a whole bunch. But anyways, back to the point. So fourth, we got Austin Hill sitting fourth and Matt Crafton rounds out the top five. And okay. then from there we go down. And then from there we go down to Todd Gilliland in sixth, Stuart Friesen in seventh, Grant Enfinger eighth, Zane Smith in ninth, and Johnny Sauter rounds out the top ten, which is what's going to go into the chase. And Carson Hosovar is sitting in the eleventh spot right now as the top rookie. So we're going to—I'm sure—we're going to see a lot of changes, you know, especially you know the rookie of the year, you know, um, battle this year. Um, yeah, Chandler Smith, you know, is right there on the heels of him. Um, Haley Deegan, you know, moved up to 15th, and mm-hmm. Rafael Lassard, for whatever reason, lost his ride. So Rafael's yeah. no longer. I, I think try to get the information. I think it's yeah. dollars. He lost. He didn't have a sponsorship, and they had to bring in somebody who had sponsorship. So that's really a shame because Rafael Lassard is a great driver. Yeah, it, it, it was a it was a shame. Yeah, that was that was big news uh, a week ago or so, and uh, uh, when they announced that, I was I was a little bit shocked because he's had some really good runs this year, but if you don't have the money to, you know run the team you can't you can't run the race so uh i understand why gms did it uh, it's just such a shame that nobody got behind Raphael. it's like he's from canada and uh gosh if anybody could sponsor him i'm sure he could really have some good runs um but i i do think we are going to see some challenges here between the rookies uh, that you mentioned, Carson Hosovar, Chandler Smith, and Haley Deegan. Uh, those guys are going to be jockeying for position uh, with these upcoming races, and that's going to be fun to see. And what a year for Austin Wayne South. I'm so excited to see him doing as well as he's doing. So, Yeah, it's it, it really is. You know, he's sitting right now 12th in the points. You know, he's only um, from the cutoff. 17 back. 10th. Yeah, he's only, he's only yes, uh, 17? Uh, well, he's 17 from he's where Carson Hosovar is, so add another five yeah. points to that. 
Yeah. Yeah, it but yeah, and actually, yeah, twenty-two. Yeah, so he's twenty-two back from the from the cutoff spot. But as we've seen, as the as the racing goes on, anything can happen. I mean, you know, you know, a couple good weeks, you know, a couple bad weeks from another driver, you know, and, and you know, we're going to see a lot of shifting. Um, That's right. You know, you know, I'm I'm sure you know we're going to see a lot. You know, I'm sure. I mean, Chandler Smith is. He's he's a driver that that can he he's another driver you know, that that's going on every given week. Yeah, oh yeah, he yeah, can run on every really given week. Yeah, he's really good on the short tracks. Yep. You know, Matt, Matt Crafton is due for a win here pretty soon. You know, um, you know as well as uh, you know Grant Infinger. I mean, he always you know always puts you know a, a good show and and uh, yes, you know, and, and I wouldn't doubt you know, see something. He's in eighth place on seven races. You know, in just seven races, yeah. he's up there in eighth place. So he's really looking hard for sponsorship. To, if he can stay in that top ten, um, it would be a shame if he's not able to contend for the championship. He's a former champion you know, and, in the truck series. You know, and, and hopefully, you know, now the COVID is kind of, you know, it's kind of died off a little bit, you know. It's dying down, you know. Hope, you know. Hope, hopefully, we'll start seeing, you know, more, um, you know, more teams pick up sponsorship, you know, and, um, you know, and, and keep the, you know, keep the trend going. But, you know, like you said, you know, seeing um, uh, uh, Rafael Lasard, you know, lose the sponsorship, you know, and or the money, you know, it was just, it was, it was, a, it was a, it was a really tough blow to the, uh, you know, to the team. Yes, indeed. Uh, now, it, it, I noticed, too, that Greg Biffle has uh, made it known, apparently, that he would like to run some more truck races. I think he's trying to get back into NASCAR uh, and is looking for a full-time ride, I think. Uh, if not full-time this year, then maybe full-time next year. Uh, but he's made it clear he wants to run some more races uh, for Kyle Busch and Kyle, Kyle Busch Motorsports. So, what do you think? Uh, would you like to see Greg Biffle back in the truck series? You know, I was I was never a big Biffle fan, and I think the way Kyle has his team set up is he's a he's a developmental team, and I think as long as he can get the younger drivers, you know, to put the money up, you know, to race his trucks, I think mm-hmm. Biffle's going to be looking on the outside looking in. Maybe he'll run a couple yeah. of one-off races for Kyle, you know, like the way Kyle runs, you know. You know the 51 truck. You know, you know, you know he'll stick him in some races like that. You know, but as far as putting him in full time, I don't, I don't think we'll, I don't think we will see Biffle in a full time ride, and accomplish motorsports trucks is for one thing. I, I don't, I don't think he can jump the, the, the money or the sponsorship, and like I said, the way Kyle has it set up, he has it more set up, you know, to to develop a younger driver, you know, to come up in, into the ranks, you know, and there's a lot of young. There's a lot of young drivers right now in this, in this, in this running super late, you know, around the, you know, around all the tracks, you know, around the nation, you know, that would love to, you know, that would, you know, love mm-hmm. to you know, have the money, you know, or the, you know, or, or to get into one of Kyle's trucks because they see the program, they see how strong it is, and they see, you know, right. it's, it, it, it's a huge stepping stone, you know, to get into the um, Xfinity Cup. I mean, we see Noah Gregson in Xfinity, you know. Right. Um, uh, well, who's another one? 
another one. There's oh, a, um, there's quite a bit. I mean, there's quite a few Eric drivers Jones. that have come up through. Oh, yeah. Eric Jones. Yeah, a lot of them yeah, have come Eric up Jones through Cowboys one, Motorsports. Yeah. Now, before we run out of time, real quick, I want to just mention that we mentioned the Triple Truck Challenge earlier today. Darlington was the first race for that Triple Truck Challenge bonus. The next one is going to be at Circuit of the Americas on May the 22nd and then at Charlotte Motor Speedway on May the 28th. So all of those Triple Truck Challenge races are in this month, and that's something for fans to keep their eyes out for as well. So with that, I guess we're ready to move on to the Xfinity Series and their race at uh, at uh, Darlington Speedway this weekend. Yeah, I just, actually, I just finished watching it. <laughs> well, I watched. Okay. Okay. Well, usually when I can't watch the race, I'll watch like the last 25, 30 laps. You know, I don't watch mm-hmm. the whole thing because I, I just, you know. And then with um, being at yeah. Irondale this past weekend, you know, I, I really wanted to watch it. But, it, you know, unfortunately I was at Irondale, you know, and I started watching it. Sure. Actually, it started at 10 in the morning, but because Tim went and moved all our schedule up, you know, like we start at 5 instead of starting at 7, so, you know, everything got started earlier. Wow. Well, I guess it was a pretty dramatic uh, two-lap overtime shootout, uh, and Justin Algauer, uh squeezed past his teammate, Josh Berry, almost getting a second win in the Steakhouse Elite 200. Uh, but in a caution-filled race, it was Justin Algauer winning uh, that race in the Xfinity Series at Darlington for his second win of the year, uh, having also won at Atlanta Motor Speedway in March. Uh, Josh Berry, of course, finished second, uh, followed by Brandon Jones, Daniel Hemrick, and Jeremy Clements. Uh, to round out the top five. And then the next five were Michael Lynette, Brett Moffat, Ryan Sieg, Alex LeBay, and Harrison Burton. Uh, after crossing the finish line in fourth place, Noah Gregson actually failed his post-race inspection for an issue with the rear suspension mounting. And because of the disqualification, he lost that $100,000 uh, dash for cash bonus and uh, A.J. Allmendinger was able to pick that up. Uh, Austin Sendrick won the first stage under caution, while Harrison Burton won the second stage for his first stage victory this season. There were 13 lead changes among seven drivers, nine cautions for 43 laps, and the average speed of the 200-mile race was 98.739. so, let's see, it was Justin Algauer's 16th win in 348 Xfinity Series race and his second victory in fourth top ten finish this year. In his first victory, it was his first victory in eighth top ten finish in 12 races at Darlington Raceway. So he's pretty good at that track. Uh, Josh Berry, a rookie, posting his first top ten finish in two races at Darlington and his fourth top ten finish this year. Brandon Jones posting his fourth top ten finish in seven races at Darlington. Uh, And, of course, Josh Berry was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Um, The four drivers that will uh, finish up the Xfinity Series dash for cash are Justin Algauer, Josh Berry, Brandon Jones, and A.J. Allmendinger. And that final round will take place at Dover International Speedway 
this weekend. So any thoughts there, Sal, about this race? Yeah, it was, uh, like you said, you know, it was, you know, the, the, you know, it looked like Gregson was, you know, going to win, you know, win the race, you know, then here comes, uh, here comes, um, uh, Justin Algar, you know, and, and, you know, he was, he was really strong, you know, at the end, you know, saved, saved his stuff or uh, I don't know what, what he did different than, um, than, uh, Noah, because they're both, you know, they're both teammates. But then, you know, then and then here comes Josh Berry, you know, who, who actually in the final restart, you know, who jumped out there, you know, and caught the lead for a while. And I thought Josh was going to, you know, he, he was going to be, you know, be the one to, you know, catch, you know, catch another win. But, um, you know, junior motorsports cars, you know, they, you know, they, they, you know, they flex a muscle this, you know, this weekend. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it was, a, you know, very, you know, it was a good contested race. You know, you, you kind of yes. feel bad for you kind of feel bad for Noah, you know, winning, you know, the, you know, it would have been the third, the third in a row, you know, the hundred thousand dollar bonus, you know, and, you know, with what happened with the car, you know, he doesn't work on the car, you know, it's all done in his shop, but you know what, that's just part of, you know, something that NASCAR is always, you know, not only NASCAR, but when you go to races around the country, you know, you see a lot of teams get DQ'd, you know, the driver's the one that, you know, suffers the most because, a lot of times it's not the driver you know it's working on the car, you know, but either way right you know they it was it was bad enough you know to where they took the <clears throat> they took his money and, and put him dead last you yep know, yep he finished last finished fortieth but they are you know, appealing themselves junior motorsports is appealing uh his disqualification at Darlington. NASCAR usually moves pretty fast on these things because it it makes a difference uh, for the next race. So we'll have to wait and see uh, what happens with the appeal. But uh, I'm not thinking that NASCAR is going to overturn this one. You know what? They hardly ever overturn them. And I was talking, you know, because, of course, the race is already over. We're we're still racing Erndale, you know, and, of course, you know, it, you know, got around real quick, you know, hey, you know, Noah got DQ'd and they talked about the, you know, the parts that they found, you know, that were faulty. And, and like a mm-hmm. lot of the, some of the guys that, uh, you know, work on the car, they say, hey, you know what, you know, why, you know, of course they could have, they could appeal it, but they said they're not going to win the appeal because, you know, it, it just, you know, you know, they, they could have tried to sneak it in there. You know, mm-hmm. nobody knows if they stuck, you know, stuck it in there, you know, hoping, you know, they get away with it or, you know, what, 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 what was internal in it. But, um, you know what, either way, you know, I, I don't, I don't see NASCAR, you know, overturning the appeal. They would have to have a really super strong case, you know. Yeah. But um, because the parts I are agree. using anyways, they're all, they're all NASCAR approved parts. It's not like way back in the day, you know, when you're able, you know, to use, you know, other parts from different manufacturers using parts from, you know, that were approved by NASCAR. And, um, you know, it just shows, you know, NASCAR. Go ahead. Yeah, apparently it had to do with all the suspension mounts and mounting hardware uh, because it's not, it does not allow for movement or realignment of any suspension or drive chain component beyond the normal rotation or suspension and or drivetrain travel. So apparently there's a variance there, and somehow they went beyond that variance, uh, which gave them a little bit of a competitive advantage. At least uh, that's the presumption when there's a penalty like that. 
So it'll be interesting to see what the appeal says and uh, whether or not NASCAR does overturn it. But I would guess in most cases when there's uh, a problem with a part like that, NASCAR uh, is not too forgiving. No, they're not. You know, and, and Sharon, actually, that'd be a good question. You can ask him that question, if, you know, if, if, if you can go back and get exactly what it was. And, and, and I'll bet you Tim could give you a really good, a really good um, analogy on, on, um, on that because we have the same, we've had the same issue at Irondale. We've had it at the oh, bowling, okay. you know, at different places like that, you know what, and, and it has to do, you know, with, with like, you know, like you said, you know, how the suspension, because they, they, they do give them, there's a, there's a small little, uh, well, I don't know how, what I'm trying to think of the word. I can't think of it offhand, but there is a small little, um, a small little gap they that they sure? let them work work within. Yeah, that they let them work within. Okay. And I just think I just think they went a little bit over, or you know, um, in some cases, you know what, one of the parts faltered inside. You know, and that's why you know it, it didn't work the way it was. Um, you know, right. who knows, but I, but I mean, during the pill, well, they're going to bring that all of this for out. Me. I'll ask him when he comes yeah, on. Yeah, you ask him. That's what I'm saying. Make, I will. Make sure you, you do the research and you ask him that question and then and see what he has to say. But, um, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. You know what? But I, I don't see NASCAR overturning it. And because uh, they, they hardly ever overturn a pill, anyways, you know what? It's it, it's right. already standings are made. The the decision was made by NASCAR, you know, and um, you know what? And it shows, you know, if they're not playing favorites, you know, so you know, right. and they're doing their job. You know, they're looking. I mean, just like out here, you know. Um, as a matter of fact, write that question down. Write that down, and in two or three weeks, I'll have I'll get Ricky Brooks. Oh, okay. We'll get Ricky Brooks back. Yeah. We'll get Ricky Brooks back. And, and I mean, if okay. you want, you can go ahead and ask him. Go ahead and ask him. Oh, I am going to ask him. Yeah. And in and, and two or three weeks, you know what? I'll get Ricky Brooks back. And then Ricky, Ricky can explain that. I mean, he'll explain exactly what he looks for, you know, when it comes to right. the parts and because he's, he's DQ'd drivers for that, same, for that same infraction. Yeah. Right. Okay, just a couple of other things, and then I want you to do an introduction of uh, Tim here. But uh, the the grandstands out at Dover, it is limited capacity uh, for the weekend, but they're sold out. Uh, the grandstands uh, have been sold out uh, for the NASCAR weekend. So for both the Xfinity, there's an ARCA race, there's an Xfinity, and a cup race. So... Uh, they are definitely sold out for Sunday's race, the Driving 400, which is the NASCAR Cup Series race at the track. So uh, there's going to be a good crowd out there this weekend. That's good. See, uh, you know, I mean, that's why I say, you know, you know, little by little, you know, they're starting to, you know, we're starting to see, even out here, you know, where we have the tough governor, you know, and everybody complains about the governor this, governor that, you know, and you know, while everyone else is opening up, you know, we're still locked down. And, but, um, you know, he's, um, you know, we're starting to see, we're starting to see a little breath of, of fresh air minus, 
minus our gas price. I want to put gas today, and I paid almost almost five bucks a gallon for the car today. Wow! But, wow! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought our gas was high. We're we're at like three thirty. Oh, we're we're like four twenty, four thirty. Um, some stations wow. are four seventy. There's there's one gas station by Dodger Stadium that's like um, five five eighty five a gallon. They've always been high though. Oh my god! I mean, we can, yeah. Well, even back when we were like at, at two ninety, they were they were at four four eighty four fifty. Well, the you know the lowest gas prices are down in Texas. I'm always amazed at how low the prices are down in Texas. But um, yeah, that that's amazing, Sal. It makes my three thirty look a lot better. <laughs> Man, you know what I I and it's funny because when we we're coming back last week from Stockton, the in the middle of nowhere, you know the gas stations, you know, in the in the ghost town where there's like one gas station and that's it. You know, that gas is always yeah. like a dollar, two dollars more expensive. But all the way down the five freeway between here and San Francisco, the gas is like Thirty, forty, fifty cents cheaper a gallon in these in these ghost town gas stations. You know where you pull in. You know you think um, uh, uh, Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Master is going to come out of the thing, you know, and or you're going to get one of these, you know, Jason from uh, or Freddy Krueger, you know, one of these guys that work there, you know, these weirdos. <laughs> yeah. They're scary to pull into, but the gas is like forty, fifty cents cheaper than in the city. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, we've got a couple minutes here, Sal. I want to make sure we do a lead-up for Tim. Uh, he's going to be coming on here in a couple minutes, and uh, I want to kind of set that up. And you can okay, go ahead yeah, and our, start our, the interview when he comes on. Okay, just let me know when, he, when, he, when he's on. But, yeah, our, our, our guest for tonight is Tim Huddleston from Laurendale Speedway done a remarkable job you know the last you know the last few years you know they've had the, that he took over the track you know and um you know during covid he last year during covid we were able to race the whole season even though we raced without fans but um you know he made sure you know that to make you know racing racing great for the racers themselves um he live streamed all all the events and they're still live streamed you know through low budget tv so if you can't actually make it to the track, you know, you can watch it on, on low budget TV. And, um, and so far this season, you know what, he's done the same thing. Um, it's neat to see, you know, the, not only the drivers, but now that, now that we've had some fans at the, at the race in the last couple of racing, you know, to see them, you know, comply with the mask because we still have the mask rule, you know, so, you know, it's real neat, you know, this, you know, Tim stresses it, you know, he gives out extra prizes, you know, to the ones wearing masks, you know, he can't give one out to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, he tells us if you're wearing a mask, you know, you know, giving out some really cool prizes, and you know, and um, the the drivers are all all um, all it, you know, drivers, uh, um, including all the track workers and everybody affiliated with it. You know, they're all, you know, they all comply with the mask rule because, like he says during the driver meeting, if you don't wear a mask, you know what, um, we're gonna have to shut down. You know, and mm-hmm. and it's neat, you know, see to see everybody come together like that, you know. But I mean, but just but just what Tim and Bob Riccardi have done for racing out here in South, Southern California when there's no other track open, you know, around us, you know, current is closed, you know, current's not running anything. Um, 
the bull ring at, in Las Vegas. They just barely had their second program this last weekend, but still, that's still a three-hour, you know, three, three-and-a-half-hour ride for us up that way. And Havasu, mm-hmm. which is about a six, about a six-hour drive, you know, they've been doing some racing, but, you know, when you talk about Erndo, you, you know, you're talking about, you know, the premier short track, you know, when the first exactly. opening was... Oh yeah, NASCAR considered you know the premier racing facility. You know, if you ever wanted to race, you had to you had to at least make one stop at Orindale. And um, mm-hmm. it's amazing the track so almost looks brand new. I mean, you know the you know it's very well kept. Um, and uh, you know we got um, drag racing on Thursday nights, and then on the Saturdays that we don't have racing, then they then they do uh, grudge grudge racing at the at the drag strip it's an eighth mile um you know bring bring your own car if you want you know um we got mm-hmm. a lot of teams that bring their cars up you know for some of the grudge grudge racing and stuff um he hired um uh, this guy named um steve steve sherman who used to do a lot of promoting up in the san diego area and sherman just does an amazing amazing job at, at bringing the drag racers and giving them a you know place to race a really well prepped just like a nascar track you're Drag trip has to be very well prepped, and I mean, and okay. you hear all the all the you know all the excitement and you know all the you know on how well you know the, the drag strip you know is you know when they get there you know it's a safe place to race and I mean it's okay. it's, it's just a, it's, it's just amazing. It's going to be racing out there in August. So. Yes. And, and like and you he's say, it's one of the then. premier facilities. Yeah, he's open by then that we'll be at, you know, at least at least at sixty percent, if not hopefully hundred um, percent capacity. Also for the uh, for when the Arca West makes its makes its uh, makes its stop back out here again. Um, Actually, yeah, it's August. Yeah. Actually, they're racing out yeah. there twice on July third and again in August twenty yes. third twenty first. So there's two races at Irwindale Speedway this year. So he's not here yet, Sal. So uh, you want me to kind of cover some stuff while you try to get in touch with him? Yes. Okay. Uh, Yeah, there is actually two races at Irwindale uh, over the July 4th weekend. That Saturday, uh, that race is going to be live track pass coverage uh, July 3rd. Uh, it will be on NBC Sports Network uh, on the delayed broadcast on July the 8th. And then the race on August 21st uh, will have a live broadcast on NBC Sports Network on August the 28th. So we'll get into more of those details as we get closer to that race. Uh, but Irwindale Speedway is one of the premier tracks out there in the West. And it sounds like while some of the other tracks are kind of struggling to kind of keep things going, Tim has done a remarkable job in keeping things going out there at Irwindale Speedway. And uh, that's kind of an amazing feat when you think about it because uh, it, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago that they were struggling to keep the doors open all together. And Tim Huddleston came and pretty much saved Irwindale Speedway and has done some really wonderful, wonderful things out there uh, at Irwindale to keep it going uh, even through this pandemic. So uh, a lot of kudos go out to Tim Huddleston. And Tim is a former NASCAR driver. 
So a lot of fans will recognize that name and think I, I think I remember that name from NASCAR. And yes, he's a former NASCAR driver, uh, and he understands a lot about racing. He's been there, done that, and uh, now he's behind the scenes at the racetrack and doing just a fantastic job. Yes, yes, they are. I mean, it's it's. Um... You know, when, when the, you know, I mean, we, we can go back into the history of Irondale, you know what, but you know what, it's, I mean, you know, the first owner that, it's of course, we had over. Jim Kwan, was, yeah, it's already over. We had Jim Kwan, and then now, you know, then we had Bob, and, and Tim took over when, when it was, technically, it was dead. I mean, mm-hmm. when Jim left, Kwan left, it, the track, that was it. I mean, the track was done. I mean, the announcements were made, you know, if this is the last race. We're not coming back, you know what? There's nobody to, you know, nobody wants to take it over, and you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things behind the scenes, you know, that happened, you know, that, you know, that, you know, why they couldn't reopen and stuff. But um, you know, Tim made, um, Tim and Bob Riccati got together, you know, if they, you know, they made it happen, you know, and you know, kept it, you know, kept it open. Tim's, Tim's seen two of, well, actually, one of his tracks that that he used to that he started at with Pasaga Speedway, he's seen that track get shut down and mm-hmm. made it to uh made it to like a swabby and some of this track is still there, you know what, and, and and Tim's idea was, you know what, you got a facility as nice as Erndale, you know you just can't let it go. You know, somebody needs to uh Exactly. You know, somebody needs to, you know, keep it you know, keep it running, you know, so he um you know, came in at a time, you know, when you know, when basically you had two owners, two previous owners you know, almost running into the, well, the first one ran it into the ground. The second one came close to running into the ground, you know. Um, wow. And, you know, it, and, it, and it took it took somebody that knew racing, that knows racing, you know, to actually, you know, keep it alive. And to keep it alive as long as he has, you know, and mm-hmm. they, they've made they've made a lot of sacrifices, you know. They've had to close down some yes. part of the pit area, you know, to, you know, to keep the track going. But, you know what, Tim? they improvise, you know, and, and they right. they found other avenues, you know, they found avenues to, you know, to make money to keep the track going. Okay. You know what, Sal, I'm beginning to think maybe we should go ahead and start the Cup Series review of Darlington. <clears throat> uh, it's, it's 9.37 and he's not here yet. Uh, and I'm afraid we're going to run out of time to do our review of the Cup Series, and that was a pretty good race. Yeah, it was a it was a good race. It was um man. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into that and then if he comes in, I will definitely uh let everybody know. In fact I'm gonna do a split screen here if I can, okay. just so I can see if he comes on board. Um and in the meantime I'll go ahead and start covering the uh ARCA, I mean, the uh, truck seri- the Cup Series race uh, for this event. Okay, Martin Truex Jr. in the final stage of Sunday's uh, Goodyear 400. Kyle Larson turned Martin Truex Jr.'s cakewalk into a study in suspense, but Larson couldn't keep Truex out of victory lane in the 12th Cup Series race of the season. Truex swept the first two stages and led 248 laps to win his third event of the season and remains 
the only multiple winner in the series this year. Uh, that's remarkable all by itself. He won, uh, it's his third win of the year, second win at Garlington, and 30th of his career. Kyle Larson finished second, followed by Kyle Busch, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, uh, Ryan Blaney, Chris Busher, and Ryan Newman. Uh, it was a dominating performance by Truex, winning both the stages. Uh, and leading 248 of 293 laps and winning by more than two seconds despite that late, late race charge by Kyle Larson. Truex led the final 105 laps of the race. There were 19 lead changes among just 10 drivers and six cautions for 36 yellow flag laps. Uh, the race speed was 123. 5662 miles per hour. Uh, so, uh, again, it was his 30th victory in 561 Cup Series races, uh, the third victory, eighth top 10 finish this year, and his second victory and ninth top 10 finish in 18 races at Darlington. Kyle Larson in six posted his sixth top 10 finish in seven races at Darlington and his seventh. Uh, top 10 finish this year. Kyle Busch was third, posting his 13th top 10 finish in 19 races at Darlington. Chase Briscoe, who finished in 11th place, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. So any thoughts there, Sal? Yeah, you know, I thought for a while that, um, you know, because Darlington history said that no driver that ever won at stage had ever won the race. So, of course, that went on to, yeah, so it goes on to no driver that has ever won two stages ever won a race. Okay, well, whoever (laughs) said that, and I'm not going to mention which of the the announcers that said that, but I'm sitting there looking, I'm going, okay, you just finished saying nobody ever that's won a stage has won the race, but yet now he won two stages, so whoever won two stages has never won. Well, hello. But then... and it looked like he wasn't going to win. Kyle Larson started coming from nowhere. Yeah. And just, I mean, he was uh, he was going to get him. And then, I don't know, he just, something happened, ran out of gas, um, tires went, and that was it. Yeah, that, you know, that next, was you an know, amazing finish. Truex um, crosses the line, wins the race, and like they say, the rest is history. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Uh, again, the only driver in the Cup Series to have multiple wins, uh, which is uh, putting him right up there uh, in the points. So let's go ahead and cover the driver point standings, Sal. We'll go ahead and get that out of the way in case Tim does show up. Okay. Now, the driver points are as um, Danny Hamlin still leading the points with zero wins. Martin Truex Jr. sitting in third, or second, I mean, what am I saying third? Sitting in second spot with three wins, three stage wins, and a whopping 18 playoff points he's already collected. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting in third is William Byron uh, with one race win. Fourth is Joey Logano with one race win. Fifth is Ryan Blaney with one race win. And sixth is Kyle Larson with one race win. 
So we're looking at the top six. We're going to go to the top eight because we have 16 going into the uh, into mm-hmm. the playoffs. So then sixth or seventh is Kevin Harvick, who also had a good run going for a while there. He had a really nice uh, throwback scheme too. And then eighth, round off the top eight, is, is Chase Elliott with zero race wins. It's kind of strange to see Kevin Harvick with zero race wins, zero stage wins, and zero playoff points. Isn't so that amazing? <laughs> Gosh, I mean, I'm looking at it. I had to do a double take. Yeah, yeah. So the only two drivers in that top eight, only two drivers have no wins. Last year's defending champion. So Chase Elliott's the defending champion from last year. He has no wins this year yet. And Kevin Harvick, known as the closer, still doesn't have a win this season. That's just incredible. It is. I mean when you when you look at when you when you look all up and down, you know, and you're like, wow, you know, how is that um you know, how is that even how is that, how even, is that possible? even possible? Yeah. Exactly. And then from there then we go we go ninth, we go to Brad Keselowski is in ninth with uh with one with one race win. Kyle Busch finally got his race win last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's you know it's good to see him. You know, get you know get the get the win and um, you know solidify himself inside the chase. Christopher Bell, who went his rookie season without a win, also got he has one race win this year. Austin Dillon in twelve. Chris Chris Boucher in thirteen. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, Chris Boucher in thirteenth. Alex Bowman sitting fourteenth with one win. Mike McDowell, 15th with one win, and Tyler Reddick right off the top uh, 16. And gosh, what a what a what a what a change from Tyler Reddick from last season to this season. Yeah, he has. A, he's also uh, sitting with the goose egg, no wins yet this season. So basically, out of the top 16 drivers, there are one, two, three, four, five, six of those drivers have no wins. So I really, you got to think that somewhere down the road, Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott uh, are going to get a win. Uh, I, you know, I would think Tyler Reddick could get a win uh, yet this season. Uh, right now, he's he's right up there in that top 16. But uh, yeah, this is crazy. Right now, Tyler Reddick. And Matt DiBenedetto in 17th sour actually tied in points. Yeah, for that last spot. Yep. For that last spot, right. But they look at what's, um, they look at a lot of different factors, like how many top fives, how many top tens these drivers have. And uh, it makes the difference as to where, why Tyler's on top. And Matt DiBenedetto is below that line. That's how close this is. So, Sal, do you think there's going to be 16 different winners this year or more? I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think we. Had, I don't think we have had a season yet where we've had 16 winners. I think everyone that's gone in has been. We've had the ones you know who've gone in, you know, on points. So I don't. I don't think. I don't think we'll ever see a season where we'll have 16 different winners. I just don't think oh, it's, I mean, disagree. it's possible. But, I'm um, going to disagree. Just, you know, I think this is the year. 
you think we're, there's not too many races left? There's only, um, what, 20? Well, we're in 12. There's 26 races in the regular season. So yeah, so there's 14 the race races left. The race is going to mark the halfway point. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's still 13 oh, then, more races. Oh, then, of course, we have to do the honorable mention. Bubba Wallace is sitting in 21st place. You know, we, we <laughs> you know, we have to we have to stay uh, politi- politically correct on the show, so we do have okay. to mention that Bubba Wallace is in 21st place. But man, Kurt Busch in 20th place. <laughs> Kurt had a, and gosh, he had a horrible race this past weekend. Kurt has not been having the season that we're used to seeing Kurt having. But all no, we, one no, one from no. Kurt Busch. You know, he's due for a win before the season's over. One win from Kurt Busch, you know, is going to put him, you know, right up there, you know, with the, with the rest of exactly, the drivers. Exactly, but, but then just, that's going to bump somebody else down. Yeah. Well, that's like when, Dan, when, well, when Danny Hamlin gets a win, he's already he's already up in the top 16. If, if Kevin Harvick, it, Chase Elliott. Twelve races, we've got ten different winners. If, when the chase begins... Does Denny Hamlin start from 11th place in the in the uh, playoff? Because that's he, where he's going to start. Yeah, start, yeah, he's going to have to start behind all those other drivers that have a victory. So a regular season champion is actually going to start the playoffs in 11th place at this point, and with uh, 14 more races left, uh, there's a good chance that uh, what if he falls below the cut line because he has no wins? (laughs) That's true. I mean, and and also, um, I mean, how, how many, uh, how many points is he going to go on into the, uh, you know, you know, because they, they, um, they give him what, uh, I forget how many points they give him per race win, you know, to start the chase. Five points. Yeah, that's five yeah. points for race race win. So, yeah, it's it's really a, an unusual situation that we see developing here in the Cup Series. I, I'm of the belief. I think we are going to see a lot of more winners, and I think that's going to put uh, Denny Hamlin in jeopardy. Even though he may have the most points, uh, will NASCAR grant a waiver if that happens? Will he get in you can't. because he's the regular season champ with points? Yeah, but but you know what? That that was the same thing last year with Kevin Harvick. You know what? They should have done a waiver with him. You know him having you know the most you know yeah, where he that's where he true. sat at. You know what? And and they didn't give Kevin Harvick one. The only one that's ever got the waiver was Jeff Gordon when they started the chase, and they you know because well, you know and, the other and, and, that and, got and, a waiver was Kyle Busch. Yeah. Well, Danny Hamlin got a waiver races. too. Yeah, well, Kyle huh? Busch got the waiver because of the accident that he had at um right at uh at Daytona, and then and I he think became there the was another champion that year. Yeah, and I know there's another driver who got a waiver too because of uh he had a win and and he had was in an act. Oh, uh, Ryan Newman. Oh, okay, yeah. Last year, yeah, they wanted they wanted to give Ryan yep. Newman a, a a waiver last year. You know, you know. Because of the because of the crash that he had, right. So it's it's going to be an interesting year, I think, in this Cup Series. I think with thirteen, fourteen races actually still left in the series, 
for this regular season, uh, there's there's it's there's got to be at least six different winners in those 13 races, I would think. Um, or we're going to start seeing a bunch of drivers uh, double up. I think Kyle Larson could end up being a, a multiple race winner. Uh, but who else would be a multiple race winner, do you think? I, I think Kyle Busch. I think we're going to see a couple more wins out of Kyle Busch this season. Okay, that's a fair, and, that's fair game. You know what? And, and as much as I'm not a big fan of his, but I think Martin Truex might pop off another two or three. Oh, yeah, you I know, think so, too. I'm, I'm a big you know, fan I, I, of Martin Truex. I like Martin. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 I like drivers, but I don't like crybabies. And when you're not oh, winning, oh, oh. you know, when you don't cry, you take it as a man, you go to your, your hauler, you know what, and you cry to yourself. You don't go crying to the media, you know, well, they yeah. did this, they did that, they did this. I don't like that, you know. Um, Joey Logano's another one that I think could probably, you know, get another one or two, you know, I feel like get another one or two wins. Um, yep, yep, you're right. And and what if Kevin you know, Harvick, he has no wins as of the 12th race, but what if he starts taking off and all of a sudden he gets a string of races, race wins? So a true. lot of different things could happen. So we'll have to wait and see the shop. But this this is a big storyline that's developing in the NASCAR Cup Series that I think fans will want to tune in and watch to see how all of that unfolds in these next 14 races, starting at Dover. You know, and it's kind of funny because Danny Hamlin is part of part of the part of the storyline, and, and usually Danny's storyline is. You know, he has the most wins during the season. You know, he has the most strongest season. But when it comes to the chase, Danny can't can't never um, uh, close the deal. You know, he just doesn't. He yeah. just, he's just not the driver, you know, that'll ever be a champion. You know, he'll never be able to close the deal. But yet here he is again, you know, leading, leading the points, you know, because he's having good, you know, good finishes. But then, you know, what happens if he keeps this up and he goes into the chase with, with no race wins. Well, another driver I think we should shout out here tonight, though, Sal, is William Byron. William Byron <clears throat> is third in the series point standings. And, well, with the wins, if you look at wins, yeah, Denny Hamlin starts down in 11th place right now. But William Byron would actually be the second place driver when the playoffs begin based on points. And wins. So you've got Martin Truex at the top of that list, 454 points with three wins. And in second place is William Byron with one win and 428 points. Then it goes to Joy Logano at 406, Ryan Blaney at 405. That's a, that's a tight battle there. Kyle Larson at 385, Keselowski at 379, Kyle Busch at 373. There's another close one. Uh, Christopher Bell at 320, Alex Bowman at 281, Michael McDowell at 278, and then you've got your points leader, Denny Hamlin, in 11th place with 529 points. Then it's Kevin Harvick in 12th place at 385, uh, Chase Elliott right behind him at 382, Austin Dillon at 316 in 14th, then it's Chris Busher at three, 287, and Tyler Reddick in sixth 
15th place at 268, and he is absolutely tied with Matt Benedetto. So these guys are going to be running neck and neck for that last playoff spot at this point. Uh, but what about the guys below the cutoff line that could come up with a win? You mentioned Kurt Busch. Could he still come up with a win and, and push himself up into that top 16 with that win? You know what? I I, I, I would be willing to, I, I would put money that Kurt Busch is going to get a win before the regular season is over. Yeah, you would think you so. Know, you would certainly think I mean, so. I, I, I mean, if, if there was a Vegas odds right now, you know, it said, well, Kurt Busch get a win and make it into the chase, I, I would put money on it. Okay. Well, and I do think, you know, even Daniel Suarez, there's some tracks where he's really good, and it wouldn't surprise me if Daniel Suarez comes up with a victory. Um, we've seen him running up in that top five and, and getting some good race finishes. Uh, but let me bring up a couple hot topics here, at least one hot topic for you. Uh, as we kind of gear up and get ready for the Hot Topic Sound Off segment that starts at the top of the hour here. Um, and one is that NASCAR is thinking about slowing down the speeds at Daytona and Talladega, the super speedways. What do you think of that idea, So, You know, Sharon, I don't know. And, and, and they're doing that because of Joey Logano's car going airborne at uh, Talladega last month. They're trying to keep the cars you know what? It's, from doing that. But it's not the, it's, uh, in my opinion, it's not the speeds. Because at, at our short tracks out here, when they're racing 110, 120, 130 miles an hour, the cars are getting airborne. You know, it's, no, it's, it's, not. it's just, I, I, I'm, yeah, the speed, the speed makes it more, dangerous but i mean the cars get airborne either way but it's you know what it's, too. it's that and you know what what it is it's just it's a it's a trajectory that the cars hit each other or hit the wall that that puts them airborne because look at cole custer how hard he hit the the, the, the wall at darlington and look at that car mm-hmm. got up off four wheels i mean not that it was going to roll but it did get up on four wheels and it went sideways you know, and it was just yeah, the way the, the car scary. hit the walls. So, yeah, it was it was a scary hit, you know. So, I mean, and I've seen it on our short tracks. I mean, I, I've seen late models get up, you know, 85, 90 miles an hour. You know, they hit a car, you know, different, you know, and next thing you know, they're upside down, you know, on their lid or, you know, they're rolling down the track, you know. And, um, you know, so it's – I understand, that, yeah, that the speed is a factor, but mm-hmm. I don't think the speed is as much a factor as as the way the the as as it's almost almost like a like a freak accident. You know the way the wind, you know the way the wind gets underneath the car. You don't lift it up. I mean, there's nothing you can do about keeping the wind from getting underneath the car. You know to lift it. I mean, sure they 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 can keep it from getting on top of the car. You know and, and sucking it up. You know with the with the roof flaps and all that. You know which they did. But I mean, once a once a car gets, you know, the front end comes up and the wind gets underneath it, I mean, there's really nothing that can, in my opinion, that can be done, you know, to, you know, to stop that. I mean, it, it's just a, that's just the nature of the beast. But I mean, I've seen cars get airborne, like I said, at our short tracks, you know, doing 85, 90 miles an hour, you know what, and, and they get up like that, you know, or another car hits them, you know, and pushes them up on another car. And next, you know, they're you know they're up in the air and they're they're on their lid, you know, rolling down the track. Yeah. 
Well, it's going to be interesting, um, you know, because we're seeing it. We went through a period of time where we didn't see any cars going airborne, uh, and now we are. And I think a lot of it has to do with the drivers using the air, uh, the aerodynamics of the track and using that side draft. And, uh, you know, one of the big no-nos and has been a no-no for a long time now is uh, uh, being at that rear corner panel when you're going through a curve. That is a recipe for disaster each and every time it happens. And uh, yet we still have drivers who unintentionally or whatever end up doing that. And uh, that that's going to be a big wreck uh, every time it happens as well. So we've had some remarkable driving where drivers have spun and, and not had wrecks, but sometimes it's just not um, avoidable. Well, we've seen it this weekend at, at um, I, I, I forget what two drivers, you know, that they went back and, you know, and they, they thought they had touched and they said, look, they're like six inches away from each other. And when the car came up on the on the on the left cor- on the left quarter panel, you know, it knocked them into the wall right away. You know, and, yeah, and, and, yeah, um, because of that and, air. It's because of the air, air, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that and, air and, pushes and they never them touched. right up that wall, up that track. You know, and and, and they never touched. Exactly. <laughs> you don't have to touch if you're doing that in the corner. So. Um, it is going to be interesting <laughs> uh, to see what they do do and if uh, what the drivers say about that idea. Uh, I think they're kind of floating it out there right now. They're looking at it and thinking about doing it. But we're at the top of the hour, Sal, which means that it's uh, time to say goodnight. Are you going to be at a racetrack this weekend? Um, this weekend I will be. Oh, no, I'll send you a message. I'll be traveling. I'm supposed to be going back out to San Francisco. I'm supposed to be actually. I'm supposed to be out there today. I'm even supposed to be on the show. But um, right. I think our job got pushed to next week and the following week. So next week I'll be in. I should be even to Frisco on Sunday, and then be out there for the week. And then the following week is our next SRL um, Southwest Tour race at, at All American Speedway, and then. Um, and then from there, but I, I did real on a quick note. I did talk to Derek and asked him about coming back on the show again. And he goes, I know he goes, he goes, I'm just kind of staying off the grid, you know, for right now, which is true. He hasn't really been doing anything. He, he does the interviews after the, after the race, you know, because, you know, it's uh-huh. an SRL race, you know, he races. So he right. asks either interviews, but he's just kind of staying off the grid. I, I think he's, I think a lot of it still has to do with, with, uh, you know, with the, no getting ball. that second place of the Derby, it, it hurt. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he's he's still feeling it. But he says when it, when yep. the All American 400 comes around or the Derby this year, he goes, "I'll definitely come on." He goes, and we'll do like a good little preview, and we'll talk about my season. He goes, but he goes, he goes, and he goes, and so we'll plan on that. Okay, that sounds good. Well, Sal, you have uh, safe travels, and we will look forward to talking to you next Monday night. Okay, you guys oh, no, um, you might have not a be good on. show. Yeah, I know. Okay. I'll, I'll, Leave I'll, me a message I'll, and I'll let me message. know what your schedule is. Yeah, I will. Okay, All right, thanks, good night, Sal. everybody. You guys have a good evening. Get your mask, get your shots, get whatever you need. And um, anyway, anyway, be safe, and we'll talk to you next time. Good night.
Okay. Take care, Sal. All right. It is time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, and we've got a couple of players that won't be on the show tonight, but we also have a couple of players that will be on the show tonight, and we will start with Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy. How's it going, Sharon? How's everyone doing tonight? Very well. Thank you very much. Uh, and unfortunately, Jay's not going to be here and Mike's not going to be here, but I have good news. We have Owen Stewart here tonight. Welcome to the show, Owen. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be back. It's glad to be done with finals and everything and back talking about some racing. <laughs> okay. Well, we're we're happy to have you back. I don't know if you listened to the uh, uh, shows or not while you were out, but uh, a couple of times your name was brought up, but I think everybody missed you uh, in your analytical mind. <laughs> I'll have some more <laughs> analytics today. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, so, Andy, let's start with you for the first hot topic here tonight. Well, I just want to talk about the 750 package, uh, the low downforce package at, at uh, Darlington. I, I saw some, I don't understand why, but I saw some mixed reviews about this. Um, and I'm curious to know what both of your opinions are of it because, um, you know, certainly I think a lot of people have been asking for this and, and yet somehow there were mixed opinions of it. So curious to know uh, if you thought Darlington was good or bad racing this weekend. Okay. Uh, Owen? Uh, honestly, I thought it was great racing. I think one of the biggest complaints about the current package, especially from the casual fan, uh, I guess what you would call an old head fan, is that the current car is too easy to drive. And if, you, if you're watching that race, you can see those cars back end sliding out. They weren't able to – typical moves that you could make, I guess, in some of the other uh, lower horsepower packages that they've been running. But it was good racing in the sense that the drivers really had to do everything they could in their power to handle those cars. They were a lot to handle. And it was especially <laughs> – watching some of those guys pull off the moves like Kyle Larson pulled driving right between Tyler Reddick and Ryan Newman. It, it just shows that not everybody can do that. And I think that getting a package where it makes it more difficult to drive kind of separates those, or it shows that talent gap a little bit more. And I think that makes for really, really good racing, especially on a track like Darlington. Okay. Uh, full disclosure here, I did not see all of the race. I did kind of catch some of the highlights, uh, have read some of the commentary. Uh, but Darlington, uh, I think, is a great track and usually produces some pretty good racing. Were the cars, be able, they were able to pass each other, right? I, I mean, I know it made it a little more difficult for them, but it's a little bit more management on a part of the team. Uh, for tire wear and everything else. Uh, so, to me, that makes for better racing. Andy, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of the of the low downforce 750 package, and uh, Darlington was awesome, in my opinion. It, uh, it created a situation where drivers had to manage the throttle. They had to manage their tire wear. You saw comers and goers. Some drivers were stronger at the beginning of the run, uh, you know, and some were better at the end of the run. So, honestly, in my opinion, it uh, it provided some great racing, and I know the field got strung out. I saw some complaints 
Um, you know, about there only being nine drivers on the lead lap, but that's just Darlington. Darlington lends itself to mm-hmm. drivers that have talent and can manage the tire wear and can manage their car. And, um, you know, I thought it was fantastic. Over, overall, it was great racing. And to me, that's what defines NASCAR racing. Um, I hate to say that the 550 package is gimmicky, but it is in the sense that you know, the, the racing's closer together and there's far more drivers on the lead lap. To me, that makes it easier. And and Darlington isn't supposed to be about being easy. So um, kudos 100% to NASCAR for providing us the opportunity for the low downforce package because it made made it harder. Um, you know, it, it made it more challenging for the drivers. And overall, it was a fantastic racy package. And if, if, if you're you know, a true fan that appreciates old school NASCAR, this, this had it all. So, uh, in my opinion, you know, what, what NASCAR has done, uh, this season, you know, I think specifically for the short tracks, you know, the road courses and, and places like Darlington and some of these other one mile ovals, it, it's fantastic racing. So overall, you know, in my opinion, what we saw yesterday was was a hundred percent what we need to see, at, uh, at Darlington and other tracks like that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Owen, do you have some follow-up comments? Yeah, I think it's the, the whole point about it being gimmicky is something that's very valid. Uh, I think you, I like how you mentioned, you know, like how many cars are on the lead lap. I mean, we already have, you know, the stage cautions, with which whether you like it or not, at the very least, you know that there's going to be a caution at lap X and another one at lap X. And so that already kind of sets a general number of lead lap cars that you're going to have. And then when you have cars that are easier to drive and breed close racing, you're more likely to have 25, 30, even more than that maybe cars on the lead lap. And it was kind of cool to see that differ this weekend at Darlington. Like you said, only around 10 cars on the lead lap. And uh, it, it was interesting. I mean, I know a lot of fans complain when the field gets strung out and when there's not necessarily a close battle for the lead, but part of it is also about those close battles back in the field. You know, the guys battling it out for six, the guys battling it out for the free pass position. It's not always about, you know, somebody uh, driving from five seconds back to run Truex down for the lead. He just had the best car, and I think that's okay. I mean, yeah, what, it's good to see – uh, different people lead, different people win, but I'm I'm fine with Martin Truex's domination because we got great racing, and it's pretty obvious that this is a package they should continue to build off of in the near future. Yeah, I agree 100% with what you're saying there, Owen. Um, you know, if you think about races from years past, sometimes there was one car on the lead lap, and everybody was a lap down except for that one car. So, uh, for those people that are always asking for racing like it used to be, this is closer to that uh, than just about anything else that we do. So uh, I think to, I think the you know like I said, full disclosure, I did not actually see the race, but it sounds to me like uh, you know there there was plenty of uh, action on the track and and a lot for fans to enjoy. Uh, during this Darlington race weekend. And, you know, I love the throwback. I, I've got to throw that in there, too. The throwback just makes this whole weekend even that much more exciting and entertaining for fans. So uh, I, I really uh, uh, think that 
uh, that low downforce package is doing exactly what the drivers like as well, Andy, because the drivers like to have those kind of things more in their control. And I think it also highlights the fact that this is a team sport because you do have to manage the tires, not just what the driver's doing on the track, but what they're doing from the pit box as well. So, yeah, I, I don't know. To me, it's not just watching the cars go around in a circle. It's, it's about all that strategy play and, and uh, everything else that goes on during a race. So, Andy, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, no, that, that's exactly it. You know, it, it, it's more than just going around in a circle for X number of laps and then pinning. It's about managing the car. It's about managing the tires. Um, you know, and, and, and like I said, we saw drivers that were good at the strong of a run that weren't able to manage their stuff. And then guys that could manage their tires better would come on at the end of a run. Like, you know, seeing multiple elements you know, incorporated throughout the course of a run and seeing comers and goers and seeing drivers, you know, that could manage the loose race cars and the worn out tires better is what makes it fun. And, you know, all that to me, that's what makes great racing. So, um, you know, to me, Darlington is, is certainly paying homage to old school NASCAR. And, and uh, certainly mm-hmm. I was entertained and I know, I know the field got strung out yesterday, but to me, I was entertained every lap. You know, guys were almost hitting the wall every single lap, you know, and even Truex, you know, with a, let's say he had an eight second lead, which he did at times, you know, he was up against the wall and there were times where he, he'd get into the fence and it was just, it just kind of kept you, you know, on the edge of your seat. So um, to me, that's good racing. And, and I hope that, that NASCAR, you know, we'll take notice of that and maybe we'll see this come back at the intermediate tracks one day. I'm not sure, but certainly a big, a big applause for NASCAR for bringing back the, the lower downforce, higher horsepower package for Darlington. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see this implemented at uh, more and more tracks going forward. But, uh, you know, certainly this season, you know, with the short tracks and in places like Darlington and Dover, uh, Nashville and other other venues, uh, 1.3 miles in length or less, uh, we're going to see some pretty good racing, I think. And uh, yesterday was was certainly good, for without a doubt. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, it's time to move on to another uh, hot topic. So, Owen, what do you have on your mind? I'm going to head over to the social media side of NASCAR down in the truck series, uh, a bit of a Twitter feud going on between camping world CEO, Marcus Lemonis and GMS racing driver, Sheldon Creed. Uh, For anyone who didn't see or hear about the feud, it's basically uh, regarding the sponsorship of GMS racing trucks. Uh, Lemonis sponsored one of their trucks earlier in the season Um, He reportedly offered to sponsor them in more races, but GMS basically told him that he wasn't offering them enough money, um, and he basically pulled them off about it on social media, and him and Creed went back and forth a little bit. So I guess I wanted to get uh, your guys' takes on this kind of back-and-forth battle we've got going on. Wow. Andy, I'll let you go first. (laughs) This is this is a tough one, and I know exactly what Owen's referring to because I did see this exchange on Twitter, and um, it's it's really disappointing, quite honestly, because if 
you know, I understand that there is a certain dollar value in which these teams need to operate competitively on a weekly basis. I totally get that. But when you look at what Marcus Lemonis and Camping World do for the sport on a weekly basis, um, I don't think picking picking a battle with these guys is the right idea. You know, Sheldon Creed is on the racetrack solely because his grandfather funds that team, and that is a well-known fact. And, you know, for him to be nitpicking at sponsors who could potentially help that team and his career moving forward is a huge step in the wrong direction. Um, you know, I think it was referenced that – $15,000, which is what Camping World was paying to, to wrap these trucks up, you know, for each race, uh, was not quite enough money. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Quite frankly, I don't know the financials of what it takes to run these teams on a weekly basis. But for a driver to call out a sponsor and say, you're not paying enough publicly on social media is, is 100% not a good PR move in terms of gaining sponsorship moving forward. So, uh, this is a huge black eye if you're Sheldon Creed, in my opinion. Like I said, he does have family funding, but how long is that going to last? And uh, if this is a mm-hmm. driver that intends to, to be in the sport long term, then then quite frankly, I, I, I don't know what to tell him because, uh, <laughs> you know, if he expects to have the support of Camping World and, and Marcus Lemonis moving forward, he's done a really good job at not retaining that. So this is, in my opinion, a huge, a huge move uh, in the wrong direction if you're that uh, that team and that driver. Sheldon's the defending uh, champion as well, is he not? Yeah, he is. That is correct. Oh, that's serious? Yeah, that, that's really... <laughs> I have to say, I think that's unbecoming of a defending champion uh, to, to make those comments. Uh, it's, it's like kicking a gift course in the teeth. Um if, if it costs $15,000 for a wrap and the guy gives you 10000 instead, uh, you're still spending uh, a lot. You're spending only 5000 instead of 15000 for that wrap. Uh, so you're, you're saving some money. So I, I don't understand why you would do that. Why would you offend somebody who's trying to help you out? Uh, and I know a lot of drivers, uh, I was thinking about it earlier because I've seen drivers on social media uh, go out and at, just downright ask Marcus Lamonis, and he tells them, let me know if you need money, I'll see what I can do. Um, and there's a lot of drivers that are asking him for money. Uh, so I understand, I understand that it's a lot of money to race. Uh, and everybody knows that going into the sport, uh, that you better come with a deep pocket because, and, and a lot of sponsors because uh, it, it costs a lot of money to take part in these races. And um, I just I have to agree with Andy that that is kind of a, a bad PR face to put forth, especially, I think, for a defending champion of the series. Uh there's got to be another way he could have handled this. This this is a behind closed doors conversation, uh, at the very least. Uh, it's certainly not should not be something that's uh, on full display on social media. 
And I would even question the behind closed doors uh, conversation in this case as well. But Owen, I want to know your thoughts. Honestly, after hearing about this, I kind of was conflicted on how I felt. Um, I was reading just a lot of opinions and a lot of uh, just general consensus on what exactly was going on. And my initial reaction is that they both behaved unprofessionally in a way of like, based on their profession, they probably should not be, you know, feuding with, like you said, sponsors on social media. Uh, I don't think it's very becoming of Sheldon Creed to do that, but I also don't believe it's very becoming of Marcus Limonis. Um, The difference is the position they're in. I mean, Marcus Limonis is a CEO of a huge company in camping world, whereas Sheldon Creed is a, a truck series driver who currently doesn't have a sponsor. So, I mean, yeah, they both kind of could have worded themselves better. The difference is it's not going to hurt Marcus Lotus. Like you said, there's still plenty of drivers who want his money and who will gladly take his $15,000. But uh, Sheldon Creed has kind of put himself in a bind because not only is it going to push Camping World away, it's going to make future sponsors a little more cautious on yep. whether or not they're going to put their name on his car. Um, I mean, he and the thing is, he ran largely unsponsored for most of last season, too. Even while going on a championship run, he mainly ran Chevy Accessories trucks, which is a sen- essentially an unsponsored truck, sort of like the Haas Tooling 41 in the Cup Series. Um, but it's hard to see this happen and think that, you know, maybe GMS Racing isn't behind it in a way uh, because I'm sure, you know, Sheldon Creed may want to take a $15,000 sponsorship, but I think I was reading somewhere that uh, Thorsport has a minimum of $50,000 for their sponsors for a week if they want the actual hood. So I'm assuming GMS being a similarly competitive team has the same minimum or the same expectation for their sponsors. Uh, And they may not have even allowed Creed to take that $15,000. Now, again, I think he could have reacted differently, but I'm just not so sure that this is entirely on him. And that's my only, I guess, like, not even a disagreement, just a a bit of a technicality against the point of it being all on Creed. But I'm interested to see if you guys have any other information here. Okay, Andy, your follow-up? I don't have any other information here. I just saw the exchange on Twitter in which Creed elaborated that $15,000 really wasn't worth their time. Um, You know, it's just maybe I'm missing something, but, you know, in my opinion, any any amount of sponsorship helps. And... um, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a team that's in need of, say, ten thousand dollars, and Camping World can come on board and and, and provide fifteen thousand dollars, you know, even if it doesn't totally cover the costs, you know, at least they're covering some of the costs. That's probably a bad example. Maybe the team needs to spend, say, thirty thousand dollars, but Camping World can can take take away fifteen thousand dollars. I think I'd rather spend $15,000 and $30,000. So the point is that any amount of, of support, you know, that a, that a sponsor can provide, even if it doesn't quite meet the amount that you need to compete that weekend certainly helps. And, you know, when you look at what they do, not just for, for all these race teams, 
but for the series as the title sponsor as well as NASCAR in general, um, you know, I, I just felt like, you know, it was a pretty pretty good-sized black eye in their direction. Um, so, you know, I, I think that from someone who is funded by his, his, his family, uh, it was severely disrespectful toward Camping World and, and sponsorship in general. And, you know, it's obviously family funding, you know, is the name of the game these days in NASCAR. But, um, you know, that only goes so long and only goes so far. And if he expects to to get anywhere beyond the truck series, then, you know, he's going to need other other partners to step up someday. So um, I'm not trying to single him out, you know, individually here, but I just think that, mm-hmm. you know, race teams and drivers in, in general – you know, need to be appreciative of any funding and, and partnerships they can obtain. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely, you know, think that for him to call him, call him out specifically after all they've done for so many truck teams this season in general, or even just this season alone, as well as the series, you know, and their longtime partnership is, uh, it's just not the right thing to do. So, you know, maybe, maybe they'll get this figured out moving forward. I'm not sure. But uh, in in general, I feel like, you know, if you're trying to obtain funding moving forward, uh, calling out a a sponsor on social media saying they're not paying enough is is probably not the right direction to move in. Yeah. um, I think both of you bring up some really good points. And and you're right, Owen, it's not just Sheldon Creed. Marcus Lamonis could have, uh, kind of shut down that conversation and said, come see me at my office or, you know, let's deal with this over email versus social media. Um, but at the same time, you know, if this guy doesn't shut up, he's got to be able to give a response. Um, so I, it's hard to say, you know, how much blame I want to put on which side or whatever. Uh but here's the thing. If, if you're not getting enough for the hood, then don't put his logo on the hood. Put his logo uh, in, a, in an area of your car that is appropriate for the amount of money that he's giving you. Um, you know, but if you want him to continue to support you uh, for the rest of the season, you've you got to sit down to the table and negotiate. Um, versus uh, trying to to call him out on social media. I I just think that um, sponsors are too hard to come by. And, you know, when you think about it, if if that's the way he conducts the business, and I'm I'm not trying to call out Sheldon Creed on this, um, it might be GMS to to Owen's point. But if that's the way you you deal with your sponsors, you know, that might be why you're struggling with sponsorship money. <laughs> so you got to find a better way to develop the relationship. I mean, this is a relationship business, and part of the sponsorship relationship is, you know, working together and reciprocating uh, the effort there. And it, this just doesn't sound to me like it's... it's um, a good way to do business. It just doesn't sound like sound business practice to me, whether it's GMS or if it's uh, Sheldon Creed. It's not good business practice. And uh, I've been really impressed 
with GMS and how far they've come in a short amount of time within this sport. I've always liked GMS and and their their uh, organization, but this is not a good face for them. It, it just isn't, and uh, I I would really throw up a yellow caution flag, if you will, on this one and and just say you know you got to really think about this thing. You got to think this through before you take it public like that. There's a better way of conducting the business. So, uh, Owen, what are your final thoughts on it? Yeah, I'm a big believer that social media is one of the absolute worst ways to conduct your business, especially when it comes to a driver-sponsor relationship. I think that Sheldon Creed probably has some regrets about this situation. Um, You guys both touched on how hard it is to come by in terms of sponsorship, and all you have to do is look at that GMS team. I mean, they have Zane Smith and Sheldon Creed, who arguably were two of the top five drivers in the truck series last year, and both of them are running unsponsored pretty much every week. Um, and, yeah. and then Rafael Lassard had sponsorship issues too. He ended up getting dropped from the 24. So really only two of their five trucks, that being Tyler Ankrum and Chase Purdy, who have been the two least impressive drivers on that team this season, are fully sponsored. And, it just kind of goes to show that when these opportunities come, you really kind of have to take them. And that's why part of like what I said about GMS as a team, part of me does think that some of that comes from them, not Sheldon Creed. But then again, I mean, they know they're struggling for sponsorship just as much as Creed does. And if he doesn't like the way that GMS runs, who says he has to drive for GMS? So I don't know. Right. Um, yeah, it's not a great situation all around. I just think it could have been handled better by both parties. Uh, social media just gets people in trouble. So probably not the best way to handle these situations in the future, and this should be a lesson to all drivers out there. Right, right. I agree with you, on. Okay, we're at that point of our show where I make an announcement here, and this is an announcement for any new listeners that are tuning in tonight. Uh, we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time tonight, and you're going to hear us going off air in mid-sentence. Just know that we continue recording the rest of the conversation as part of the bonus overtime material that's available on our podcast. So if you've listened up to this point, all you have to do is fast forward to that two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. I'll go out on Twitter when we finish up here and uh, let everybody know that the podcast is available, and it's at that point that you can do that fast-forwarding up to that two-hour mark to hear the rest of our conversation. So, again, it's just an alert for especially our new listeners that don't know uh, that that's what happens, and uh, just to, to make sure everybody is kind of forewarned of what to expect. Okay, so um, let's go let's go ahead and uh, go back to Andy for the next hot topic. Sounds good. Just taking a look here through our hot topics because we sure do have a lot of them. And I'm going to touch on North Wilkesboro Speedway as the next one. Um, Seems to be some interest in renovating and bringing that speedway back. Obviously, the last time that we saw them uh, was in the 1996 NASCAR Cup Series season. 
Um, I don't know whether or not this will come to fruition or not, Sharon, but certainly a lot of interest uh, in bringing the Speedway back, and specifically from Speedway Motorsports Incorporated. Thoughts on that? Okay. Well, I'll kind of speak for Mike here because he did post on the uh, post on our Hot Topic uh, uh, channel here, and he said that's all well and good, but I find it odd that there's they're spending money not on working toward the renovation, uh, that some of that money probably could be used on the renovation, uh, but instead they're using that money to encourage someone else to spend their money. So uh, that's, that's Michael Orzel's uh, point uh, that he made here on our channel about this particular topic. Um, North Wilkesboro is, or uh, Wilkesboro Speedway in North Carolina is a very popular track, and there's been uh, an interest. I know Marcus Smith, um, uh, that a lot of people would have said that Wilkes. Uh, would like to see something happen with the speedway. Uh, so, Countians, I'm not sure what Countians are. Does anybody know what, the, what he means by Wilkes Countians? Is he talking about uh, Wilkes County? Would like to see something would... happen with the speedway. Yeah, I think, I think it's just the people who, like, live in the county would be my guess. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. Okay, so, uh, you know, everybody wants to see that track come back onto the schedule. But one of the reasons why I think it fell off of the schedule is because of attendance issues. I don't know if that's because it's a hard track to get to, if the pricing was off on the tickets or what the issue was to begin with. But some of those things, I think, have to be uh, at the same time when you're talking about opening up the the uh, the track there. A lot of people loved the racing at that track, but apparently there weren't enough people going to the track to keep it open. Uh, so, And maybe there's a problem with there's not enough seating at the track in order to maintain the track. So that's something I think that has to be addressed first. Uh, before we bring a race back to that track. Uh, and if they can address that and make it, uh, you know, a, a, a self-sustaining situation there, uh, then I'm all for it because I think people did enjoy the racing at Wilkesboro, and uh, I think that's important. Um, but it is interesting that they're doing a campaign uh, $5,000 that they put into a billboard and banner campaign uh, to try to encourage interest in bringing that track back. Um, they could have used that $5,000 on an opportunity uh, in other ways, but maybe they think this is where they can get the biggest bang for their buck to get other people involved in raising the funds to make that happen. Uh, but I'm not sure that that's going to be the answer that's really needed. So, Alwyn, what are your thoughts? Um, I would love to see North Wilkesboro back open, uh, but there are two reasons why I believe that it may not be in the cards, even with them sort of making a move towards at least bringing up the idea. The first being exactly what you said is the 
lack of previous attendance and the lack of the current facilities that they have. Uh, I think I don't think it's a secret that the track would need a pretty drastic renovation to keep up with the tracks that are currently in operation nowadays. And that would cost a lot more than just the $5,000, obviously. But uh, aside from that, I mean, I think it's kind of the stigma of people not realizing what they have until it's gone uh, regarding attendance. Because you see that with other sports arenas, too. I think one one example, uh, recently at least, being the Montreal Expos, I think that they were always a well-liked team while they were in Major League Baseball, but people didn't go to the games, and they got uprooted and moved to Washington. And it's the same thing with, a racetrack that fans don't go to. Even if you like it, if you don't show up, if you don't put your money where your mouth is, eventually they're going to take it away. Uh, And then my second reason for it would be the current trend of NASCAR trying to put tracks in more urban areas. Uh, I mean, we've already seen the rumors about Mexico City and Denver, a possible street track in Chicago, and even just the tracks like Auto Club, uh, newer tracks like that, and going to Coda too. Uh, NASCAR is really making a move towards going towards urban areas and are beginning to stray away from new tracks that are kind of, uh, I guess, in rural areas in the South. Uh, But as much as I'd love to see it, uh, I don't think it's quite in the cards. Okay, Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I tend to agree with Owen on this one, certainly. I, I don't know how feasible it is as much as I would like it. You know, one of my, you know, things that I say all the time, Sharon, as you know, is more short tracks. I'm all about the short tracks. I'm all about the road courses. I'm all about the, the lower downforce, higher horsepower package. But, um, you know, even though North Wilkesboro would be a throwback to the roots of the sport, which I think would be awesome, I don't know how feasible it is, and I don't know, you know, how supported this would be by the, the local economy or even, you know, the state of North Carolina. You know, and I, I think it's a fantastic campaign to try to get racing back there. Um, if NASCAR were to announce tomorrow that there would be a Cup Series event there next season, I would be all about it because I think more short tracks, the better. But, you know, I, I really don't know how feasible this is. And, and certainly I think that uh, for those advocating for this, you know, they would need to make sure they buy tickets and support this event moving forward, uh, which is what I do every year with my home track because, you know, if I were to lose my racing in New Hampshire, you know, I would have no reason to complain because I would have supported it every year like I do. Um, you know, and I think you make, you bring up a good point there, Sharon. I think the reason it went away in the first place was lack of support. So, um, you know, and, and we find ourselves more and more removed from that generation of race fan that once supported this type of racing and this racetrack. So, I I don't know how supported it would be moving forward, um, but I would be all about this. And and certainly if they were to make something happen to bring racing back there, um, this would be a fantastic thing. And, you know, this kind of brings into um, a point that I've made in the past on the show, Sharon, is that, you know, maybe we don't need to visit markets twice a year, but maybe once a year. And if maybe we can, you know, give up a secondary market, or a second race at, a, at, a, at an existing market and go to, to North Wilkesboro once a year, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the direction we need to move in and that wouldn't be a bad thing. So um, 
like I said, I'm kind of torn on this one because I love short tracks, and I think that's 100% the direction we need to move in, but I, I, I don't know how well this would be supported. What do you think about this one? Well, I think uh, just a point of clarification that I don't think we made real clear in the beginning is that it's actually uh, the Wilkesboro uh, Chamber of Commerce that's spending the $5,000 on the billboard and banner campaign uh, in which they're asking Speedway Motorsports uh, to open up uh, North Wilkesboro. And there, there is an appeal directly to Marcus Smith, uh, who is a part of Speedway Motorsports. So um, just just a point of clarification there. But uh, I, I, again, I, I just think that there's so much that needs to go into it. They have to go to more than just the Speedway Motorsports. They have to go to the community. And they say that Wilkes Countyans uh, are, are all for this. They want to see something happen with that Speedway. Um, it, then they need to show up <laughs> at the track and put their money where their mouth is. And maybe they can do some fundraising amongst the, the Wilkes Countyans to kind of help renovate that track. Um, so I, I don't think it's fair necessarily to put it all on Speedway Motorsports uh, to make sure that it comes back or to on Marcus Smith specifically. I, I think that, uh, you know, you can open up the conversation and have the conversation, but you got to be willing to put something in. It's kind of like extending your hand halfway in hopes that the other person will reach out and grab your hand and, and go with you down the uh, the uh, path uh, to where you want to go to. Uh, you gotta you gotta meet people halfway here, and and that's what I guess we're not seeing in this appeal. Is you know you're looking for somebody else to do it, and not necessarily uh, telling us what you're going to put into it to make sure that this happens. So just a, just another thought as I kind of think about this is as I'm uh, uh, looking at it again. So, Owen, your thoughts? Yeah, I think a lot of this initiative is kind of in response to uh, NASCAR's trend of kind of going back to uh, some, or go, some kind of, sure. uh, sorry, going back sure. to some old tracks, but also, you know, branching out into some new ones. Uh, an example, I mean, going back to Nashville, uh, I know they're renovating Auto Club, turning it into a short track, going to Road America, going to Coda. Uh, they're shaking up the schedule. They're making big changes. And I think North Wilkesboro is trying to jump on that bandwagon. Uh, the difference is, again, they just don't have the facilities to house a current NASCAR Cup race. And I think that's the big kicker is just they would need to do so much to get that track ready to host a race in 2022 mm -hmm. or 23 or whatever year it might be. And the amount of money that it would take to do that, I just, it's probably not worth it. I mean, I hate to say it as much as I'd love to see a race there. It's not in a huge, an area with a huge economy. It would take a lot to bring a race to North Wilkesboro and whether or not it's mm -hmm. worth it is really going to be up to those people that live around that area. Yeah. Okay. Good points. So, uh, sp talking, uh, kind of piggybacking off of that and something that you said, Owen, 
Uh, one of the things that I saw today, too, is that, uh, um, you, they, you know, they've been talking about NASCAR street races possibly happening at Chicago, in Chicago, and uh, they're testing it, I guess, through the iRacing format. Uh, but they brought up uh, recently that they're also looking at Mexico City and Denver as possible locations for NASCAR street races. So I thought that was interesting. Now, Michael Rizel's comment here was that he's not buying it. It's too much wild speculation and thinks of click uh, farming. So I, I'll tell you my comments uh, as we go around the horn here. But, um, Owen, what are your thoughts? I wouldn't be surprised if we get one of them. I doubt we get two. Um, I I think that Chicago is probably a more realistic possibility than either of those two, just because they already have a racing market with Chicagoland. I mean, I know the track's not operating anymore, but they did run races there for over a decade. So at least at, the, at least they've been able to prove that, you know, they can get some people to go to races there. Would love to see a race in Mexico City. I mean, I think that's an awesome idea. Uh, like Michael said, though, I, I don't know how realistic it is. I don't know how far into the actual planning of it they are. Uh, but it would be cool to see NASCAR kind of branch into other nations, try to diversify the fan base a little bit. Um, and, I mean, where better to go than Mexico City? I mean, the travel expenses compared to going, I guess, across the ocean or whatever would be relatively low. Uh Plus, at the very least, Mexico does have some representation in the Cup Series with Daniel Suarez. So it would just be an interesting way to see if uh, they could try to get uh, basically a whole new demographic into the fan base. I would love to see it. Um, Denver kind of comes off as a bit of a wild card. It just seems like a city that I've never really thought about as a possible NASCAR city. Um, I know aside from Furniture Row Racing, Colorado's never had all that much of a connection to NASCAR. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, these are great ideas. Uh, whether or not they actually come into fruition, I guess time will tell. Okay. Uh, good thoughts. Say, Andy, what are your thoughts? I, I think that uh, anytime we can explore a new market is a good thing. And, um, you know, We've seen a trend just this season alone of more road courses. A street course is effectively a road course, and I think that's a direction NASCAR has been trending toward because of the fan interest in it and and the racing that it provides. I think that the road courses have provided some of the best racing uh, that we've seen recently. So I I don't think this is something we can just, you know, look at as a – as a rumor or a clickbait, you know, as much as I love, we love our friend, Mike, I tend to disagree with this because I think this is something that NASCAR is looking seriously into. And I don't think that the departure of Chicagoland means that NASCAR is abandoning Chicago or the upper Midwest. I think that it was temporary. I've I've always believed that. And uh, I do think that, you know, we could see some kind of new venue, um, like a street course moving forward. And I do think that the iRacing event and the Chicago street course is not a coincidence. I think that this is a prelude to the future. So I, I do think that NASCAR is looking at ways to reinvent the schedule. I think that um, 
you know, this season in particular was the most changes we've seen in over 20 years to the uh, the overall NASCAR schedule. And I think that it's only scratching the surface in terms of what we'll see change-wise moving forward. So, um, honestly, I, I do think that, uh, you know, street courses and, and thinking outside the box is going to be – you know, the norm moving forward. And we may see venues come and go venues that we've had on the schedule for 30, 40 years may come and go uh, as a result of, you know, NASCAR's forward thinking. So uh, I, I do think we will see street courses and I think we will see new markets pop up and we may see markets that currently exist uh, with an oval track that uh, may forego the oval race for a street course. And, um, you know, if they can put new eyes on the sport and it can generate new interest in it, then, then so be it. You know, as a diehard fan, I'm not going to not watch. I'm going to do whatever, you know, I'm going to watch whatever they they put forth product-wise and, and venue-wise. And, uh, you know, I think we have to embrace whatever changes they make moving forward. I I agree there. I do. I, I agree with you, Andy. I don't think this is clickbait, um, and I do think that NASCAR is testing the water by putting these kind of things out there. Um, I, I hated that they closed. Um, they they stopped the races at Chicagoland Speedway. We had four great races. They had ARCA with the trucks and Xfinity and Cup races, and all of those races were great races all weekend long. So it was was a head-scratcher when they said that they were going to, you know, not race there a couple of years. But I do see that NASCAR is trying to do some things different. They're trying to shake things up, which is what fans have been asking for. Uh, And I see them trying to shake things up on a couple of different fronts here. Uh, The street race is something that I don't know if NASCAR has ever done a street race uh, before. Uh, that'd be something kind of fun to look into, but uh, they're exploring that idea through the iRacing and seeing how that goes. Uh, but the other part of this is the international appeal, reaching out to new markets. Uh, so Denver, you don't think of Denver being a race city, uh, but if you go to Denver and you create new fans, uh, it could become a uh, race city. Same thing with Mexico City. That's an international location, and it's going to open up new markets. There's a huge, huge appeal to NASCAR in Mexico City, and uh, they they do a lot of racing in Mexico. Uh, We've seen Daniel Suarez. Now we've got Max Gutierrez in the Arkham Menard Series um, coming up through the ranks uh, from Mexico and and that area, and I, I just think it's wonderful. Uh, that NASCAR is looking at other opportunities. You can't stand still in this business. You have to be thinking about what's going to be the next great thing that could really pop for NASCAR, and these are things that could be the next great thing. So um, I I think that they're approaching it from a couple of different fronts, uh, a different type of racing, and that's on NASCAR streets, and then the whole idea of going international. Now, I will say there is a downside to the street racing. Uh, when I think about Chicago, Chicago's used to kind of rerouting traffic for 
you know, all the big walks, you know, and marathons and, and things like that. Uh, but I think about some of the comments that I heard from people uh, in New York about when NASCAR was going doing their uh, uh, championship week in New York. Uh, I heard a lot of grumbling from New Yorkians, if you will, about how they hated it. <laughs> and uh, they they weren't necessarily turning New York people into NASCAR fans. Uh, they were, in, in essence, they ended up doing the exact opposite. So that's kind of the fine-edged sword that they're playing with here. Uh, we'll have to see how it works out. I-racing, it might work out great. There might be a double edge there when you're talking about doing it in reality. Uh, I, I would love to see it, but I know there's going to be people that are not going to be happy about it. So, Owen, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I actually didn't even think about that point of, you know, the double-edged sword. I do think there's obviously the chance of, you know, a new venue completely flopping. Uh, the good thing with NASCAR is that I think they have enough track uh, spread across America, Canada, Mexico, that they could, you know, if they try out Denver, per se, and it doesn't work out, you could always swap it out for something else. They could go to mm-hmm. a Gateway or an Iowa Speedway or a Canadian Tire instead. Um, But another thing I was going to mention is I think that the addition of more courses and the street course, the new type of track, I think it does a really good job of showcasing the talent of these NASCAR drivers because I think that worldwide especially there's a stigma that NASCAR drivers aren't as talented as drivers in series such as Formula One or IndyCar because they mainly drive in circles. I've even dealt with this with people I talk to about racing uh, when they watch NASCAR, they don't see, you know, the skill that it takes to drive these cars, and especially on the road courses. I mean, these the NASCAR stock cars are nothing like the cars they drive in Formula One, the cars they drive in IndyCar that are basically stuck to the ground and not nearly as heavy. Um, so I think when, you know, a driver's able to drive Daytona one week and then Martinsville the next and then the Chicago street course and then go to the Circuit of the Americas, I think it shows that, you know, these guys really are some of the most talented drivers in the world. And so I think that that should be one of NASCAR's biggest goals, if it isn't already, in expanding to different types of tracks is to show that talent and show that, you know, NASCAR drivers can hang with anyone. I think that's a great point. Andy, your thoughts, your follow-up thoughts. Yeah, no, I mean, uh the, you know, the diversity of the NASCAR schedule certainly is what makes stock car race, stock car racing great. And, and to Owen's point, um, you know, we've seen stock car drivers go to open wheel like a Kurt Busch at the Indianapolis 500 and have success, but open wheel drivers come over to stock car racing and not have success. And I think to his point, it, it just shows you how, um, how diversified NASCAR and stock car drivers are because they have to be able to run different types of courses each week. So, um, you know, I'd certainly be very open to the street courses and new venues in general. I do think that uh, NASCAR is on the verge of, of making significant schedule changes, and I think we'll see, you know, possibly even more changes for next season Um you know, so, you know, and I'm all about it, you know, even as a fan that's been around for, you know, 20, over 20 years, you know, I'm 
all about the changes. I'm all about the diversity. I'm, I'm all about trying something new because, you know, that's what keeps things interesting. And, uh, you know, certainly I think that if we can enter new or existing markets with a new venue like a street course, I think it generates new interest in the sport. So certainly this is something that uh, I, I would certainly embrace and look forward to seeing. And, uh, you know, you know, I think that if we can somehow mix the old historic tracks like, like a Martinsville and Darlington with uh, with a new street course on the schedule, I think that it, you know, can mix old with new and it can, can help generate new interest while maintaining the old fan base. And certainly that's something I'd be a, a strong proponent of. Yeah, I definitely agree with you guys. I, I, I love that, uh, you know, the Cup Series is the premier series of this sport, and they should be able to do what other drivers struggle to do. And if you want to become a NASCAR Cup Series driver, uh, you've got to be willing to do uh, things that, that no other series does. Um, and maybe that, that maybe this will expand to Xfinity and Truck Series, who knows, if it, if it, if it does end up being things uh, that people like and go to and, and become a part of, I think that's fantastic. But um, uh, I agree that the diversity of the tracks is definitely a, a huge positive in this. Uh, but I hope it doesn't exclude Chicago and Speedway. Uh, and if they do a street race at Chicago, I hope they also do the Chicago and uh, Speedway race as well. Uh, that's just on a personal note for myself. But I was disappointed when IndyCar left Chicago land too. So. Uh, I, I love the IndyCar races at Chicagoland as well, and they left too. So I'm not sure why that's happening, but uh, at any rate, we'll, we'll deal with it. So I guess that's the last word on that one. Uh, Andy, what's your last hot topic here? A quick one. You know, I think I'm good, Sharon. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to discuss on this one? Um, not on this one. I think. Did you I'm, have anything I else? I think I'm all. Uh, oh no, I'm all right. I think I talked enough about my street courses here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me ask you real quick. Uh, when you talk about, they're talking about slowing down the cars at super speedways, Talladega and Daytona. Good idea or not, Andy? I don't really know where to go with this one. <laughs> this is obviously well, in relation to the airborne car with Joey Logano. Right, exactly, and this is this is why I I really you know I'm all about safety certainly, and I I think that you know NASCAR is always going to take a proactive approach in in trying to do what's best for these teams on the super speedways. But the problem with super speedway racing, from what I've seen. And, and all the time that I've watched is they've always done things to try to prevent cars from getting airborne. And the fact is cars always find a way to get airborne. So I'm not sure this is something we're ever going to prevent. Uh, we've seen countless packages, uh, rules, uh, horsepower changes, uh, different rules packages in place that have tried to eliminate, um, you know, seeing cars get airborne in, in, in the horrific wrecks. But the fact is that as long as we see cars bunched up together, uh, we're, we're going to continue to see close pack racing. We're going to continue to see 
drivers bump drafting. We're going to continue to see big wrecks. We're going to continue to see cars get airborne. So I don't really know if there's a great way to prevent this. Obviously, you know, NASCAR and, and, and other entities have worked really hard at trying to prevent the cars from getting airborne, like with the implementation of the roof flaps uh, and other aero um, advantages, I guess, if you will, um, to try to help keep the car stable and on the ground. But, you know, it seems like we see every year or two, we see a car get airborne. And I, I just don't know if there's any way to prevent that. Certainly slowing the cars down, um, you know, isn't a bad option, certainly. But um, I think we're just going to see more of the same in terms of close pack racing, big wrecks, and, and the potential for someone to get upside down. So, um certainly what happened to Joey Logano was unfortunate, but I, I just don't know that if I, I in my opinion, I don't think there's a way to prevent this type of racing short of not racing at Daytona and Talladega. I just think that if we expect to continue going to these venues, uh we're gonna continue to see the type of racing um, you know, that we've come to know and you know, I don't really know how much you have to slow them down by, but it seems like no matter what they've done over the years, we, we continue to see the same end result. So, Sharon and, and Owen, I'm curious to know your thoughts on that. Okay, well, let's go to Owen and get his thoughts. Owen, what are your thoughts on this? I really want to see the math because I want to know, like, uh, yeah, like, like was just said by Andy, I want to know how much they need to slow them down. I mean, because they're running so close that, I mean, is slowing them down from, you know, 200 in the draft to 190 really going to do anything? I mean, if they hit that wall of air at 190, aren't they still going to flip? And if they do, do you slow them down to 180? Do you slow them down to 170? And then at what point is it not even super speedway racing anymore? So I think, I think, yeah, it's not really going to be completely preventable regardless of what you do. I mean, NASCAR has tried so many different things to keep the cars on the ground. It has gotten better, um, but there's only so much they can do aside from, like Andy said, just not going to Daytona or Talladega anymore um, unless they completely switch the package to basically make it impossible to bump draft, then uh, it's it's not going to happen. I mean, they're going so fast and the banking is so steep that, Cars are bound to get upside down. It's just a, way, a matter of, you know, keeping the drivers safe when they do go upside down. And so far, they've done a pretty good job of that, I feel like. Yeah, I have to agree. No matter what they do, they, uh, drivers and teams have a way of figuring out how to get around it, and and things are still going to happen. Um, I, I don't like seeing those kind of things happen with an airborne car, and I'm sure Joey Logano didn't find that it was a lot of fun. But, um, uh, you know, part of that is the drivers, uh, you know, they're they're doing a lot more blocking. Uh, they're doing, you know, different things. They're using the side drafts a lot more. They're, u- they're doing things uh, that are helping them run faster uh, which is what the fans are all tuning in for. <laughs> you know, they want to see uh, those things happen. So I'm not sure what the answer is, uh, other than like you guys said, unless you just eliminate super speedways, and then I think fans are going to be upset about that too. So they're kind of in a no-win situation here. Uh, whatever they decide, we'll go with it. But we'll just go one round here 
on this one and then do our roundtable because we are at the top of the hour and it's time for us to kind of close this out. So, uh, Owen, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, I will have my power rankings coming out this week. And since we are one-third of the way through the season, I'd like to do a little check-in on my preseason predictions and see how I'm doing. I don't think I'm doing all that well looking back at what I said. But, you know, um, yeah, Kevin Harvick has no You can do a do-over. So I guess I could. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to have to looking back at what I already said. But uh, you can uh, follow me on Instagram at CF Stewart with two underscores, and I will have my articles out this week. Keep a lookout for them. Okay, that's fantastic. Uh, Andy? And uh, for me on Twitter, uh, CB14Fan, and uh, just want to – you know, as always, say thanks to, you know, you, Sharon, for the opportunity to be on the radio show. Thankful that I could finally do one. It's been very sporadic here in the last month or two. So, um, you know, thankful to be on uh, to talk about, you know, racing and uh, all the hot topics at hand. And, um, you know, certainly looking forward to uh, being on the next one. So hope everyone has a great week and uh, looking forward to uh, the next opportunity. I don't yet know if that'll be Thursday or not, Sharon, but uh, certainly I'll keep you informed and hopefully sooner than later. Okay. Well, hopefully Jay will be back on Thursday uh, and uh, we'll have him on Hot Topics. I know Tommy's already said he can be on Hot Topics, and I know Mike is not able to be on Hot Topics uh, this Thursday. So just keep me posted and and we'll go from there. Uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio elsewhere, including fanforacing.com, where you can read Owen and Andy's and Jay's and Mike's and uh, Sam's articles, Tommy. Uh, all of our articles go up on that website. Uh, Sam's uh, post-race uh, recap is up for the Darlington race. And uh, we're we're thankful that uh, Sam's able to do that. I'm glad that Owen's back and we'll get back to the power rankings and the mid-season update. And uh, uh, I know we've got other things that are kind of in the works, so watch for more to be coming out at BamperRacing.com. A big shout-out to our listeners. We appreciate everybody tuning in. And another big shout-out to all of our Bamper Racing crew including Salsa Gala, Andy, yourself, and Owen, uh, for being here tonight. You guys always make it fun, and uh, I really appreciate everything that you do. So with that, I guess we're ready to say good night. All right. Have a great night, and uh, talk to you soon. Okay. Good night, everybody.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.